0: Steve, I'm going to hit you with a hard mythological fact. Oh, shit. Centaurs have two rib cages. Two rib cages. Dude, I read about this, and I thought about it. Yeah, me too. I saw it in, like, a meme today, and I was like, what in the fuck do you mean?
1: It has to be, too, because, like, would there be ribs the whole way up? That's not not. how a horse works. Uh -uh. Uh-uh.
0: What do you think about mermaids? Like, whenever you get into the mermaid tail, does that thing have, like, ribs and stuff, too? Or is it, like, fish bones where they're just, like... Like, you got regular
1: old dense human bones at the top, yeah. and then fish bones at the bottom. hmm
0: Hmm. I know. Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> Welcome, dead <laughs> and lovely listeners, to the greatest horror movie review and mythological pondering podcast what? in all the known multiverse. Why? It's dead. And lovely here with the host with the most. Why? It is I, Uncle Ben. And me, Hollywood Steve. Oh shit! And we are here with you guys today to rap about a little John Carpenter flick called They Live. But not before we do a whole ton of bullshitting before it and talk about stuff we've been watching and stuff like that. And I'm gonna break and you, you up with a preview things. of the rap.
1: Yeah. Well, my name is They Live, and I'm here to say, oh, it's good. It's fun ooh, to ooh, rap ah, in a ooh, people ooh, or aliens ah, way.
0: <laughs> Yeah, you got it. It's really good. Yeah, How you been doing this week, Hollywood Steve? I've been doing good. I mean, it's not been a week since we recorded. No, it has not. We went from from famine to feast. We had a a 10-day podcast hiatus, and now we're trying to get caught up. I've got myself some traveling and stuff coming up. We got some stuff. We're trying to build up a nice little backlog so we can just rest on our laurels and vacation like some magnum vacationers. Yeah. So we just recorded, what, two days ago? Yeah, we recorded
1: the Dead Alive episode a couple days ago. Now we're recording this, and then... We'll be recording Alien in a couple days, yeah. so whenever you ask me what I've seen uh, in the week for the Alien episode, it'll probably be like, I saw a commercial. <laughs> I saw a dog today. I saw, yeah, saw a dog today.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not been that long since we got together and casted a pod, so I gotta tell you, Steve, I've actually not really watched that much stuff since then yeah, either. I haven't really either. Yeah. But I'm gonna tell you about my newest obsession. let I've not it. been watching really a lot of shows, or movies, or anything like that. I have become obsessed with super late at night, you know, when it's like, oh, I've been working all day or editing video or whatever, and I just need about 30 minutes or so just to chill on the couch, have a Mm -hmm. drink before I go to bed, right? Yeah. I go on these sprees of watching bartender videos. Okay,
1: like cocktail making videos? Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of those. Like, uh, what...
0: what channels do you like so the guy that I've, I've really started watching a lot and i've talked with him several times on instagram and stuff it's this australian cat named steve the bartender oh i don't know this one yeah he just rolled over like a hundred thousand subs he's doing well for himself okay. he's a big tall handsome guy with all that right. cool australian accent uh-huh and he just mixes up all kinds of classic cocktails and and he has good production values and nice yeah. music and stuff seems to know what he's talking about yeah i enjoy his content quite thoroughly there's some other cocktail guys that are obnoxious as book that I don't like. Have you seen Cocktail Chemistry? Cocktail Chemistry. Which one's that? I don't know if I've seen that. that sounds yeah. familiar.
1: What do you know? uh Do you know Binging with Babish? Yes. Okay. Cocktail Chemistry is kind of like Binging with Babish. Oh, okay. Sort of like you just see the hands and the the voiceover. That guy's good. Okay. He's really good. Sounds and there's cool. another sh- uh channel called How to Drink. I've been
0: watching some of that. That guy's, guy's stuff great too. too. Yeah. He's really funny. Yeah, he's cool. And I like he kind of gives like the whole history yes. of the drink and shows you like different variations. Like I and watch he goes off on, on nerdy ass tangents. Too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that the like captions on screen are funny too. Yeah. I watched one the other night of him making Old Fashioned, and it's kind of like the entire history of the Old Fashioned. Which is
1: interesting as hell.
0: Yeah, dude. Yeah, Yeah, I like that, that it's not just, oh, here's how you make it. It's like, well, no, you're going to sit down for about 20 or 30 minutes Uh and learn where it came from, who first yeah. made it, and that—that's kind of why thing.
1: I love him. The reason I love the cocktail chemistry guys because he talks about like why you have to combine certain things. Like he gets into the actual sort of chemistry of it, right? And talks about like why to use a specific type of oh, ice cool. or whatever. So he's like the Alton Brown of cocktails. Not not as Alton as as you would want. Okay, yeah. Like you want more of that. Like just I'm gonna teach you
0: something real quick. Totally. From,
1: I would love to hear that. If there's a if there's a cocktail.
0: Uh, channel out there that does that i'd love to see oh that. no doubt i would love to check that out but yeah. I'll, I'll go through these these sprees where i'll just sit down i'll watch like you know 10, 10 or 15 videos uh-huh. and we'll be like oh it's only like 30 minutes time to go to bed uh-huh. i really enjoy that for some for some reason it's, it's very fun. relaxing i'll tell you what though there is one youtube cocktail making channel that i think should exist What's that? That's one by our very own notorious RDM RDN. Roger Dean Miller. He really should start something. I'm telling you, yeah. I've told him about it. People a good personality, yeah, good charisma. Yeah, knows he what he's cool. talking about. Yeah, he definitely knows what he's fucking talking mm-hmm. about. And makes some really mean-looking drinks. Damn right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, those of you guys who don't know, he's a member of our Facebook group and just a good old friend of ours. Yeah. In fact, we got a beer that he gave us here right here on the table that we're going to crack into later on. I, and you know what? I was just
1: thinking, we yeah. might as well go ahead and say this on the Ooh, episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't announced it yet on Facebook, though, by the time this comes out, you'll know about it. But we're having a, another fan
0: meetup thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last one took place before a skank banger show, so I kind of had to ghost most of it and just kind of be like hey everybody drop in get a drink okay i gotta go get dressed now oh it's yeah. sound check time now so i didn't really get to like hang near as much as i really would have liked to so this time we're doing it when you can hang Woo! so friday august
1: 16th yeah we will be having a fan meetup downtown i'll put all the details on the facebook and other social media but uh plan to be here and if you want to make it a whole weekend the next night there's a skankbanger show exactly right So, uh, if you want to come stay in Knoxville Friday, Saturday night, go for it, man. You'll get to hang out
0: with us, have some drinks, see a Skankbanger show. Be somebody, baby. Be somebody. Be somebody. That's going to be a good time. I look forward to getting... Just plum shit house yep. with <laughs> our too. cool That's, ass fans. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, for sure, Roger D. Miller, start that fucking YouTube channel. Really, dude, All yeah. these like annoying Schmoes out there getting hundreds views. Uh-huh. He's a cool fucking guy. Yeah, and like people already know about him. He's he's been he's famous. We're he talking about exposure. him on our show. Yeah, it's true. Already famous. He was on like national there TV are, right recently. Right now, a
1: few thousand people hearing your name. They've heard it before.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> They've heard it several times before. That's Many even times. better. Yeah, you're embedded in the in the social zeitgeist by now, so yeah, might as well use it up. Fucking awesome. So I've been watching that stuff. We've been very slowly making our way through the new season of Handmaid's Tale. I mean, it's new. It came out months ago, but it's just, God, it is a trudge. Yeah. It is I, a I trudge. I imagine. I can't even watch it because it's just like, this is too real. Yeah. I don't
1: want to see this
0: yeah if the world was running a little differently than it is it would be more of yeah. like a fun like oh uh, what that a crazy. would be terrible yeah, if the wow. world was like that yeah but no, not, it's not like, this could happen this is happening yeah this is happening <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so it's been a little bit of a trudge Just really good but just i have to be in the right mood to to watch that one yeah but i will I tell you this steve one thing that's made me very happy this week and it's almost one of those things where i'm like oh shit I didn't even think about this until now. Uh, Just after I got back from that run of shows that I just played with Andy Williams and Seth Rosenblum, which, you know, of course, took a bunch of work to learn all the tunes and practice and all that sort of thing. I just realized that this is the first time probably since like last... October, maybe, yeah. that I haven't had a list of, like, 50 songs I need to learn for a gig. Holy shit. It's the first time since then. Like, this year Finally already... Finally going to come back around to Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. I'm going to get to it. All I'm right. not saying I'm going to master it, but I'm going to give it a swing. <laughs> Ma- master Twinkle, Twinkle, How Little Star. How can one? What, what hubris. Exactly. As if one can. Nope. You know? But this is the first time where I've been able just to get in my car or take a walk or whatever... And just listen to music that I want to. Oh, okay. (laughs) Not because I have to like learn stuff. Not because it's work. Yeah, exactly. It is middle of July. I have already learned well over 200 songs this year. Yeah. Just for gigs and stuff. Yeah. And uh, so it's been a very intense year so far. So I, I got a little treat from the gods. What was it? Uh, I checked out my Spotify, and that's when I had the realization where I was like, I can just listen to whatever I want to. Uh And, uh, you know, they're really good about recommending you the right Uh stuff that you should be listening to. Turns out a brand new album by one of my favorite rock and roll heavy metal bands, Torch, dropped this week. Okay. It's a little record called Edmission. You ever listen to Torch No, I haven't. It's T-O-R-C-H-E. Sometimes people have called them Torche. Torche. Yeah, but I, I think I've heard them call it torch okay they describe themselves as a as a doom pop band doom pop i like this i like the combo idea there they're awesome so like Uh the the music is like really doomy and sludgy and like they tune down really low and Uh the guitar is like really fuzzy and stuff (laughs) and it's very like neanderthal music at times but then it's all like super major key there's no harsh vocals it's all melodic all singing it's really weird because it sounds so huge and heavy and yet also happy, but not like pop-punk happy. You really got to listen to them. They're okay. really fucking cool, and the new record is just fantastic, man. All right. Really cool stuff, so I hopefully some of our listeners will get a kick out of that Let one because I know that, that I have. Yeah, Torch Admission. Awesome. They've got a lot of other good stuff, too. Harmonocraft is a great album. Man, really, all of their stuff is just killer. I've, I've been into that band for... A really long time. Cool. Yeah. i to check them out.
1: What you been up to? I watched a little movie. Okay. That I've been putting off because I've seen all of the Saw movies up to
0: the most recent. Jigsaw. The Jigsaw. Yeah. I know nothing of it. I don't think I yeah. even know anybody who's seen it. Okay.
1: Well, you now know one person. I know uh-huh. a person who's seen it, I can say. Here's what I'll say about it. It is better than many of the other Saw movies movies in the franchise right. it's not uh, okay we we've covered the first on this movie yeah and uh the first of course had carrie elwis who's also in stranger things season three man the day is mine
0: <laughs> 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 although i gotta admit he did he, he did looks look different it's because
1: it's a plastic surgery yeah, for sure because he looked way too young but
0: there is also that other actor that does look a yes, lot like carrie is. Ellis, and i thought yeah. i thought that that's who it was
1: yeah, yeah. so The original Saw, as we recounted when we covered it, was uh, done so quickly on such a low budget that it's amazing that it turned out as okay as it was. Yeah,
0: I mean, it it is a feat in filmmaking. Right. It is.
1: Uh, Whereas Jigsaw had as much of a budget as they probably wanted. I mean, gosh, that series has
0: made fucking billions of dollars.
1: And instead of spending a lot of that money on, like, well-established actors, they got some pretty established character actors who did an okay job which is actually something i appreciate in a horror movie when you don't really know the people in the movie so you can get more into like oh that person might die yeah that's the thing yeah if it's a star you're like well they're gonna live they're gonna live at least to near the end so i kind of liked that about it and it, it had the same sort of twists and turns of the saw series that actually is the reason why I don't like the Saw series, so you can't really blame Jigsaw for that.
0: Yeah, Jigsaw what is what the series does. Yeah, just yeah. doing what the series does. Any good death or anything? Yeah, good cool deaths, kills? though. Okay. There
1: were some good deaths in there and some good, like, choices, and I actually did feel like... Because, like, that's some of the thing with some previous Saw installments is that, like, you, I don't feel like sometimes that I think the person deserves the death. It's right. It's like, it's not that bad, but... Y- each one of the characters in this, is like, oh, you fucking suck. Uh, you kind of deserve this, and I don't care that it happens to
0: you. Great, kind of on Jigsaw's side with this one.
1: Yeah. Okay. The the major impediment to it is, of course, like the Jigsaw's dead. Yeah. So it has to rely on like. What it's done in the past, where it's showing you stuff from the past but not telling you it's from the past, and then at the end they reveal it's from the past,
2: Mm. and it's like,
1: Oh, okay, so he is dead, but you were showing this stuff to us, like, Haha, you fucking idiots, you believed me. Yeah, you're watching my movie, yeah, what an idiot! (laughs) So, but that again, that's a a part of the soft franchise, yeah. Yeah, So, if you're into the soft franchise, Jigsaw's. It's up there it's as, probably as one of the better ones, you. yeah. Okay. Yeah, but if you're not into the Saw franchise,
0: there's no reason to watch it and critique it, I guess, because yeah. it's just not going to be for you. Well, it's probably kind of like, you know, I've never really listened to Cannibal, of course, but I don't know, maybe the new album will turn me into a fan. Right, Probably yeah. not.
1: Right, like, if you were to listen to the new album, it's not going to change the type of music it's always been. Like, right, Saw is not yeah. going to suddenly become a different type of movie series. So, like... I I don't know. Like, I've seen every one. I don't really like the series, but I feel like this responsibility towards this series that has so many installments to at least give it a shot. Well, you've
0: invested, I mean, you know, dozens of hours of your life into it by now. Yeah. Might as Um, well keep it going. Do you have a favorite of the series, by the way?
1: That one's tough. I think think the first one had the smaller cast, which was good. Yeah. Like, having a smaller cast seems to work for me because the more people they add to the, the games the more I'm like, this wouldn't fucking happen. Like, it wouldn't work this way. But I think the second one had a good twist to it. Like, the first one is more straightforward. There there are some twists. Like, we learn things as it goes. But the second one has, like, a genuine, like, oh, what the fuck sort of twist to it. I don't think I've seen the second okay, one before. Okay, well, yeah, if you check out the second one, you might like it. It's, it's fine. Okay. It's not great. Like, none of them are great, though, to me. It's just not my series, but the yeah. people that like them... And there's a lot of them. There's a lot of people. There are, there. yeah. I don't see why they would complain about Jigsaw. <laughs> okay, right on, It's man. right up the alley of all the other ones. All right. What else have you been up to? You been gaming or anything? Yes, anything I have. Anything new
0: going on in the video game yes, world? Yes, I
1: have. I, um, I tried to play Street Fighter, as I said last yes! episode. Yes!
0: Yes! Street Fighter 2, the OG, or Street Turbo, Fighter or Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Yes, on, on
1: the easiest level, I still fucking suck at it. Like what are you playing as? Terrible i was playing as Ryu because I know okay, his moves. Well, I mean that should be yeah, yeah, a pretty pretty reliable choice. The first person I originally beat it with as a teen or tween
0: probably was um, E Honda. Yeah, Edmund Honda. Just spamming
1: Honda. the the slap thing. Oh yeah,
0: hundred hand slap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely had like controllers with turbo on them back in yeah. the day. You remember turbo yeah, you controllers? Just hold it on. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So all of the like rapid tap characters mm-hmm. like. Chun Li, Blanca, E Honda—like you could just rip it up with them. Yeah. Just hold the button down, and let it do the work for you.
1: I got frustrated with it though, because I wasn't doing well. And then I was like, "Hey, I used to love Mario Tennis for Nintendo 64, so okay. I fired that up. Swing that thing around a little bit. Had that it treat was great. You? Yeah, it's I think I played it maybe once. I mean if you're not a tennis person which i don't know i don't know much about tennis i know how to play the game and i like playing the game but i don't sit and watch the game so no i couldn't really talk about it but if you enjoy the concept of tennis it's the perfect (laughs) tennis game the
0: concept of tennis. yeah if
1: you're like oh yeah knocking a ball back and forth seeing who can get it past the other person mario tennis is your game Dude, yeah. and you're
0: playing as all the various, like, Mario characters Yeah, and, stuff, and right? they have, you know, Attributes. it's just like
1: in Mario Kart where they have their specific, like... Yeah. You know, this Slow person's a strong. technician, this
0: person's strong, this person's fast. Fast but weak, serve, Right. Stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. I could get into that. I know what you mean, though, about those, like, idealized versions of otherwise uninteresting games. Like... Yeah. Did, did you ever play Hot Shots Golf for PlayStation? No. Dude, it was crazy addictive and fun. I okay. had, like, a... A demo disc. Remember when you get demo Uh discs in magazines? In the magazine, yeah. Yeah, dude. I think it was like a... What game magazine was it? I can't remember. PlayStation former? Yeah, one of those. Uh You know, one of those. And it had a demo disc that had like a a whole course from Hot Shots Golf on it and just wore it the fuck out, man. There's
1: a, a Kirby. It's not exactly golf, but it's a golf game ish where you basically are trying to get Kirby into this hole and through a course that was really fun
0: i remember that but i never played it okay yeah i don't remember what it's called kirby something blah 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 kirby games are always fun they were nintendo knows how to make just a fun ass yeah to take
1: the principle of a game and to make it entertaining and fun absolutely
0: so man well i'll drink a cold one of that let's do it let's get ourselves a pull here we got ourselves a bevy of just some some tasty brews here today this person here, I'm going to try This isn't exactly a rare find, but I've never had it before, so I'm looking forward to trying it. This is a Sierra Nevada Summerfest. It now, promises to be a crisp lager. Yeah, no, I've
1: had this in the past. I don't know if they change it each year, because they do add, like, Summerfest whatever year. But in the past when I've had it, what I would call it is, like, the idealized version of Budweiser. Hmm. Just like a, a real nice lager that, I don't know, it, it's refreshing, but not a lot of taste. Not a lot of flavor.
0: I remember saying kind of the same thing about the... Uh, do you remember the Laganita Saki to me?
1: Yes. We drank that
0: while we wa- uh, did sleep awake. Yeah. yeah. But that one's, that one's got like sweet notes to it. Yeah. But it is just like a real refreshing sort of thing. Yeah, real crisp lager. This is a 5%. There's something yeah. about a warm summer day that calls out for a cold glass of grape beer. And this classic Czech-style lager is sure mm. to fit the bill. Crisp, golden, and refreshing Summerfest is the perfect choice for soaking up the sunshine. If
1: you smell it, you're going to smell Budweiser or Pabst.
0: Okay, yeah. right on. Well, it, does, it just looks like a clear-ass yellow lager with a little bit of foam on top. Doesn't look like anything extraordinary. Yeah. But it performs as advertised? Yeah, it's great. Well, that'll do the job. We need this, too, because it is hot. As yes, hell it is out there. It's even hot in at night. Mm-hmm. It's the worst. Yeah, that tastes like a tasty version of the yeah. regular American gas station beer.
1: Yeah, without like the sickly sweetness or any of that. Just like it's refreshing. Drier. It's drier, mm-hmm. more refreshing. Like good stuff. Yeah, I'm very okay I with I could
0: imagine a six pack of this on the lake.
1: Yeah, that's what I was It'd gonna be say a fun time. for
0: sure, man. That's a good outdoor drinker right there. Not too heavy, five percent, but at the same time, it's still yeah, five percent's more than Budweiser. Right? Yeah, 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 it's more effective than a butt wiper. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep, butt wiper. That's the one. That's A-OK. Okay. Sierra Nevada makes a pretty pretty solid product. They do, yeah. Torpedo
1: is always solid. That tropical torpedo is really good. Hot Bullet. Hot Bullet's good. That's mm-hmm. really good,
0: man. Don't care for... Is Hemperer? Is that Sierra Nevada? I can't remember if that's him or not. It's real bad. It's not good. Yeah. I don't really like that. I haven't really had any of those, like, hemp oriented beers that, that I, I like, yeah, like they the sierra all nevada. Taste like water yeah they do yeah. man I like that fucking sierra nevada was it g13 strain 420 or oh, whatever, that's whatever it's called uh, is that sweet water sweet water that's Sweetwater. what i meant to yeah. say oh mm-hmm. that stuff mm-hmm. is gross man yeah it's real bad and if you're ever at a bar if somebody orders one like the entire bar just smells like weed <laughs> yep Straight up, they make it's like a, a mango variant uh-huh. that isn't really any better, and I think smells even more. Like, like would weed. you like
1: to lick an ashtray? Not really. What if I rub a mango through an ashtray? <laughs>
0: uh, uh, I'm listening, but I no. Guess that's better. Maybe that's better. <laughs> yeah, I haven't found one that I, I have liked personally, man. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a good week. It's been a busy week, but we did find time to watch ourselves as uh, they live by That's one of our one. favorite directors ever John Carpenter. Devin lovely. Him. Sure does love them, but John Carpenter. Yeah, they man. Say. I
1: just watching this again it, it reminded me that I think overall considering entire body of work John Carpenter is is, may, is a top 3 director for yeah. me. I, I, yeah. I think, I think so. Stanley Kubrick probably has a better body of work without really many
0: that people would say are bad Yeah total duds You're saying as any director overall Not just overall, horror Not just horror
1: Yeah cause I'm considering like Escape from New York And True, Big Trouble in yeah. Little China And like all the other stuff he's done Right I mean he We'll talk about Why his career went the way it went But like If you just consider Everything up to In the Mouth of Madness There's really only A couple of duds Unless you're Kev Bickerdike out there Oh Oh I'm
0: oh. Talking shit about Kim Bickler Yeah,
1: because he he's not a big fan of some of our favorites in the Mouth of Madness, I know. and
0: they live. I mean, come but he is on. a big fan of
1: Prince of Darkness, which I also agree is a goddamn
0: treasure. Still ain't seen, to- man, Still
1: ain't seen, seen it, it. Man, I can't wait till we do it. Me too. It's possible it could come up next month because it's in the the drawing. The drawing. For the, yeah. Nice, man. I, but, it
0: seems like something I would really like. Yes, it's like quantum super physics weird. and the devil. Yeah. Count super me in. weird. Quantum physics and the devil. Yeah. Awesome, man. And this movie stars none other than one Hot Rod. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Rowdy Rowdy, Roddy Piper. What a ballsy casting move, right? I know. What a motherfucker. (laughs) R.I.P. Rowdy Roddy Piper, man. R.I.P. R.R.P. What's that? righty righty oh okay (laughs) yeah i thought there were like more
1: rests and peace in
0: there (laughs) rest
1: rest rest, in peace peace. rest rest peace (laughs) all right yes i will and
0: dude growing up as two southern dudes yeah in in the 80s we know what some pro wrestling it was impossible to avoid his presence on the television and you know of course back in the day when we were watching wrestling we were kids it was really only thirty percent the actual athletics and the wrestling. Right. It was seventy percent the shit talk. Yep. It was all about the shit talk. I feel like the tables have really turned with, with modern wrestling where it's like you got guys that are doing stuff in the ring. You gotta be able to do both, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I feel like nobody's really got the shit talk at the level that they did back in the day. No,
1: nobody nobody But the matches there's are. There's one more person fun. I would maybe say who's the closest to Best at shit talk and technically proficient in the
0: ring. And we'll get to him. We'll in a get second. to him. Because yeah. what we're going to do here uh, before we start reviewing the movie is we're going to slide on into the Purview Perlis. Welcome to the
1: Purview Perlers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're going to give you guys a rundown on our absolute favorite. Shit talkingest wrestlers Woo! of all time. You know, yeah. Like I said, you grow up in the South. You're you're gonna watch some wrestling, yeah. and I did love to watch some wrestling. And man, the presence of Rowdy Roddy Piper, yeah, on TV when he started talking some shit, man, it always made me nervous. One as of the a kid. best. It made me nervous because the thing is, is like you know as conservative and stuff as uh-huh. i grew up and considered my brother and i had oh a, a, no, a pinch go? it was that uh-huh. dude and we had this <laughs> pinch for horseplay and like you know my brother broke my arm because we were wrestling on the bed uh, wow yeah so i always kind of felt like i'm just one like you know one hard f bomb or something away from losing <laughs> the privilege to watch wrestling as a kid so every time rowdy would show up and he'd be wearing that kilt and that t-shirt and just be getting fired up I would be like, "Oh my God, don't cuss! Please don't. don't, yeah. Please don't, please don't say anything awful." The devil will take my soul. I remember especially during that big feud he had with the Mountie. Remember him and yes. the Mountie had a big feud. Yeah, he won the Intercontinental
1: Championship from the
0: Mountie. That's yeah. right, that's mm-hmm. right, man. He had that shockproof T-shirt. The Mountie mm-hmm. he'd zap you with that that cattle yeah, prod that kind of obviously thing. Obviously not a cattle prod, cattle prod. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was really just like a, a magician's wand. I think yeah. just kind of jab <laughs> you like with.
1: yeah, just jab people and they'll be like, "Oh no."
0: Yeah, but, dude, Rowdy had some just incredible shit-talking skills back in the day, he did. did he not? He really fucking did. And,
1: I mean, he had an entire segment in the WWF that was just dedicated to him shit-talking other wrestlers, <laughs> Piper's Pit. <laughs>
0: Piper's Pit, that's yeah. right. He would that bring them in and shit-talk. shit-talk
1: them to their face.
0: <laughs> God damn it. He I was mean, a- he, he really took the bull by the horns and just yeah. addressed the uh, the issues right on the nose like that man sooner or later everybody pays the piper that's right (laughs) what a fucking badass (laughs) and there's so there's so many great quotes here from the from ratty piper i found one where he said you'll find sympathy in the dictionary between shit and suicide (laughs) 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 which is so hard ass and also non-alphabetically correct true sy should come come after su but the meaning is clear. The meaning's very clear. The meaning
1: is extremely clear, <laughs> man. Go, Roddy Roddy Piper. He
0: said he's the reason Hulk Hogan lost his hair.
1: That yeah, I mean, other than the steroids and other things, but yeah, probably. What did he die of? He had a heart attack due to uh, uh, what do you call it? What is the thing in your lung? The what you call
0: it? Pulmonary yeah. embolism. Oh, that's what got him. Yes. Huh? That sucks, man. So it there's kind really of no way to really know that it was coming or whatever. Um. Well, he... Okay.
1: We'll get, we'll get a little bit into this bef- before we exit the preview palace. Yeah. But he actually predicted that he would die before 65 in an really? interview in 2003 because he was already in
0: such poor health. So, like, Ooh. his health had declined a lot. That sucks, man. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're seeing with so many... Of our favorite wrestlers from when we were yeah. kids they ain't, ain't many of them left i mean there's, no. there's hogan flair right. is still with us the
1: people that actually made money are were able to keep themselves afloat but like a lot of those guys they were
0: making shit while vince mcmahon was making millions oh yeah 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 and they were so, sacrificing their bodies mm-hmm. for our entertainment and being entertaining. So, what are some of your favorite shit talkers, man? Dude, let's start off with who maybe are the guy. Some of your favorite shit talkers. <laughs> what are, what shit, talk are shit talkers? When are your favorites? When are they? Let's go ahead and just pull this right back to maybe the guy who very well could have invented the shit talk game and mastered it with really no previous model. I'm talking about one Nature Boy. Ric Flair. That's the one, man. I mean, dude, you want to talk about the king of shit talk. I'm Ric Flair, the style profiling, limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling and dealing, son of a gun. That's him. That's what he said. I can't keep these gators down. Oh, man, with those alligator shoes. Yeah. Oh, dude, and that that like lisp he had too—it uh-huh. made everything just so extremely comical. Yeah. I loved it.
1: Well, and that's the thing that he and Flair really were able to uh, share—that they could they could play dirty, and also like be this sort of comical entertainer, where like that you know Flair would get hit and then like walk out of the ring and walk halfway up the the ramp and fall flat on his face oh dude
0: his long cells and stuff where it's like isn't he gonna fall down and he just walks a few steps and then bam face down come up just bleeding that white hair just turning Uh, pink
1: i mean they were fucking real entertainers and what they were trying to do was get people on their feet neither one of them i mean i think uh roddy piper was technically proficient at wrestling like he was uh an amateur wrestler and an amateur boxer. He knew what he was doing mm. in the ring. Boxer didn't know that. Yeah, uh, but Ric Flair really gets by on his personality. Like, oh, you know, absolutely, he's so. just an old school wrestler, real simple move set, mostly yeah. trying to sell the other guy and make himself like the big bad heel, and then you know win by cheating. That's that's why he and Roddy Piper were so beloved because it was just like. Well, you can hate them all you want, but that's what they're gonna keep doing. <laughs> like, yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> well, there's something too about just him coming out and being just so cocky and wearing yeah. like. Remember, he'd wear those like, uh, like c- kind of bathrobe like robes with the pink boas yeah. and all this shit that he just stole pissed that, you off just to look at. He stole
1: awesome. that from the guys who would play like the effeminate character. That was really? like, yeah, that was like a big thing. Gold Dust was like yeah, the, the modern version, the of. biggest version of it. But like the gay character was like a big thing especially touring the middle of the country in the south wow that like you if you really wanted to be a heel just come out in some pink and you know uh run a comb through your hair wow Everybody be like look at this fancy
0: boy i hate him (laughs) fancy boy yeah (laughs) so he took that from them and he's like this will instantly piss people off yeah and he took it and made it though like no 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 fuck you like i'll
1: wear pinker i'll wear
0: bigger i don't give a shit like
1: like, he he was more, like, not just the fancy boy, just like, I'm the fancy boy who'll steal your wife, like. And
0: just talk shit about how he was so much richer than everybody else's stuff. <laughs> yeah. There's that one. I can't remember who he was talking about, but he said... I've spent more money on spilt liquor than yes. he's made an entire year. Yes. Spent more money on, <laughs> on spilt, spilt liquor. liquor. That's amazing. I love it, yeah. man. I love it. Yeah, his entire game, like, he really set the bar of shit mm-hmm. talk at just a kind of unmanageable level. Yeah.
1: Like, it, and the thing is, real interesting, this is just a quote from Ric Flair yeah. who inducted Roddy Piper into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2005. And he, he said, the most gifted entertainer in the history of professional wrestling. Rick Flair thought Roddy Piper was better than him. No shit. Yeah. So. Wow. We're talking about the man, and he's he sees Roddy Piper as the man. So that's that's pretty fucking
0: crazy to me. Man, and I'm so glad we still have Flair with us. Man, he's, yeah, he had that... He had a, we had a scare recently. recently. Yeah. We had a scare with Flair. Flair scare, A Flair scare. Yeah. <laughs> but we still got him with us, man. It's somebody along the line
1: of Ric Flair. Yeah. And he really takes his personality from his actual personality. Mm-hmm is uh, a a man named vince mcmahon <laughs> A vince
0: mcmahon yeah. oh my god dude now, now as a kid we mm. just knew him as kind of the guy that sort of ran the show he yeah was the, he was the just like the, the,
1: the ringleader where it was just like look at all these cool things i can show you he had no like he had no personality beyond that like it, he did announcing early on but he would be the the straight man right and then the, everyone else like Gorilla Monsoon or uh Jesse Ventura, they would be the you know Oh man. Yeah, those two guys. (laughs) But he'd just be like, you know, the straight man in between.
0: And then somewhere along the course of his career, career.
1: It was it was the DX, the introduction of DX. They had to have a villain that they were fighting against once WCW was gone. So it became, well, we gotta fight the man.
0: Well, and that's the thing that's so brilliant about making him the heel is like Ultimately, considering so many people that watch wrestling are like blue collar working guys yeah. and stuff like that, what a great idea to make the biggest bad the man that owned the whole operation. Right. And then yeah. for him just to come out too, and just this personality just starts getting meaner and more crass uh-huh. and awful. And his voice got more yeah. and all that yeah. stuff. And that walk, he started doing that walk where uh-huh. like it's just like, just like deboned. Nobody I think. walks
1: like that. But yeah. He's just like all oh, this fucking shoulders, like Here, take this, this boneless yeah. man, just fucking. And he, he's working again. off of like Ted DiBiase,
0: definitely the Million Dollar Man. Everybody's got a price, right?
1: Like I watched some Ted DiBiase stuff. Just to prepare for this list. And I forgot the shit he did, like where they would do stuff where he he brought out a a young boy and said, if you can dribble this ball like 15 times, I'll give you a hundred dollars. And on the 14th time, he kicked the ball. (laughs) (laughs) And I I I remember that. I think like if they did that now, I bet that kid would still get the money. I bet back then they were just like, no, fuck off, kid. Probably. Yeah,
0: like <laughs> Yeah, he was so coked up. He's like, I don't... I, I mean this. Yeah. Get the fuck yeah, out. get out of here. Ted DiBiase made me so mad when yeah. I was a kid, man. But, like... Apparently the sweetest guy in the world. I don't yeah. know if you've
1: seen like the Razor Ramon documentary where it's like.
0: Yeah. Oh, yes. He is yeah, in that. He's yeah. in that. Yeah. I forgot about yeah, it. T- he's
1: like a preacher in Alabama. That doesn't mean he's the sweetest guy in the world. because <laughs> yeah. a Preacher in Alabama might fucking be a Roy Moore supporter. And, exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah but yeah. he did seem to come off as genuine.
0: Was it you that told me the story about when Vince McMahon came up with the character of Million Dollar Man? Uh-uh. Oh, I thought it was maybe you that told me this. No. We must have been talking about we were on the road last week, I guess. Basically, Vince McMahon is the guy that came up with the character of Million Dollar Man. Okay. Because Vince McMahon was flying on a jet somewhere. This would have been like in the you know early 80s or something. Right. And there was somebody right behind him on this flight that was just chain smoke and just smoking up a storm. Right. Vince McMahon apparently cannot stand being around smoke. He hates being around smoke. I get that. Yeah, especially on an airplane. you just recycling. That's disgusting. Dude, I never flew when they allowed Mm -hmm. smoking on airplanes. I didn't either. I can't imagine how revolting that shit was. Awful. So basically, Vince McMahon just got completely sick of this guy, you know, sitting behind him smoking, and he turns around, and I want to say the sum was like, he's like, I will pay you $500 out of my pocket right now to to stop smoking on this flight. Mm Mm-hmm. And the guy did it. It might have just been 100 or it was 500 or something like this, mm-hmm. right? But basically, he paid this guy off and he quit smoking. And he said he returned back to the seat and he sat down and he thought, everybody has a price. Yep. And that was the inception of Ted DiBiase's character.
1: And the, the central uh, conceit of this movie. Yes. <laughs> that's, absolutely. So, that's, I mean, again, like, th- this was a per when you texted me this idea for the intro, I just realized how perfect it was because, like, so much of what makes professional wrestling is actually what makes capitalism and and, and our politics run Mm. like they work off the same shit right like it's, it's all misdirection and enraging and inflaming people about the wrong thing keeping people's attention on the wrong thing
0: the art of diversion, the sleight of hand, man. Yeah. I'm I'm punching him in the face, but I'm actually stomping on the ring to make yeah. a big noise. Exactly.
1: Vincent man, <laughs> he's he's the epicenter of that.
0: He's got some quotes here. How about this one? Let's right hear here. Him. I have balls the size of grapefruits, and come this Sunday, you'll be spitting out the seeds. <laughs> <laughs> what? what I mean, what does that even mean? But the great thing about Vince McMahon too is he would talk so much shit not just to the other wrestlers but about the fans yeah yeah because like, he the people could. that bought tickets he,
1: yeah because he could be the ultimate villain where it was just like yeah you can
0: hate me because you're giving me your money I don't give a fuck like yeah Exactly. I'm the one running the show that you're here to see. So even when you buy a ticket and you hate my guts, you're still giving me your money. The more upset you are, the more likely you are to come here to boo me. Yeah. Good. He had had a quote where he said, I don't give a damn what the fans think because frankly, I know what the fans want better than they do. And he's right.
1: He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Yeah. Because a lot of the things that the fans think they want and want to see, they just won't turn out the way fans want it. Like, it's just not going to be interesting. Yeah. That's why you put off the Ultimate Warrior-Hogan uh, match. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. Ultimate Warrior's not
0: good, and Hogan's not good in the ring. You don't want the match. You want the lead-up. Exactly. Which is going to be way, yeah, way better than the right. match, especially in the case of those two. Uh-huh. But yeah, he had just such a way of being so demeaning and, and so degrading. Yeah. The basic man would come down on anybody and everybody. And also, he got like jacked when he was like 55 or 60 just huge i'm sure that was steroids though i'll be honest with you if somebody's
1: using steroids first off i've already said before somebody they should have just a steroid league like i don't give a shit mutantly wrestling just have a league where it's like you take whatever the fuck you want i don't care yeah but like as a private citizen not doing anything athletic i don't give a shit if you do steroids as long as you're not hurting anybody like and he he wasn't wrestling at the time like whatever he got big i don't know how that helps you as a 50 60 year old man getting bigger is gonna be bad on your heart oh, but all Lord, right i
0: should imagine well the thing is though too is you know just because you're taking steroids it doesn't make you get fit right don't you have you to muscles. do all the work still you yeah. just are more motivated to do it and yeah you must build faster yeah and so you can do more work. But it's like the, you know, Vince McMahon at age 55, 60. He went to the jacked. gym and got that big. Yeah. I mean, my God, he had to work his damn ass off. He did, yeah. So, yeah, great shit talker. Awesome. The man just on top. Just amazing. Who else you got on your shit list, Steve? <laughs> All right. Now,
1: I just want people to know that we're not only picking like 90s era attitude people because <laughs> we did do <laughs> Rick Flair and then went Vince McMahon. And now I'm going to go The Rock. Yes. But, yes, dude. The Rock. It's, I mean, I think he got better as he aged. Like early on, he was great with the, you know, if Nation you smell the rocks stuff. cooking and nobody cares, or it doesn't
0: matter what your name is. It doesn't matter what your yeah. name is. All oh, that, dude, I love that shit. What, all what that was your stuff. name? And he, like, get yeah. like, real quiet and real in <laughs> It doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, so good, man. Yeah,
1: like, all that stuff was real good, but he got much more entertaining as he got more into acting and he realized, like, Oh I can just throw myself into this And just be like he. After he did Scorpion King He did this one thing where I don't even remember I think he was talking about Billy
0: Gunn
1: B.A. Billy Gunn Yeah and he was doing this thing where he was like doing a pretend prayer Billy Gunn to <laughs> to God oh, and no. I actually got to the point where God was like alright Bob and he was like it's Billy and God was like it doesn't matter it what doesn't your matter. name is <laughs> Like, he just got more entertaining as he became freer as an actor yeah. and realized that, like, oh, like, yeah, I can be a big ass dude, but also be goofy. Dude, and he
0: absolutely sold it. Yeah, absolutely sold it. All that stuff where it's like, even, you know, when you do, uh, do you smell at the rocks cooking and uh-huh. he would drag it out and yeah. Crowd la 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 that's the thing about yeah. him. He do those big sniffs. Uh-huh. He do that eyebrow raise yeah. and shit. He could talk shit without even opening his mouth. That's exactly it. Yeah, and also fantastic fucking wrestler. So good. Fantastic. Man. He's great.
1: He's just great in general. Love that guy. Hey man. Like, he you seems know, to be a genuinely good guy.
0: I'd like to have a T-shirt that says "I'm still not tired of the Rock." Yeah. I think it would be a popular t-shirt as yeah, well. I'm still not tired of him. Not tired of him, no. I know. He's funny. He's awesome. Seems like an actually nice guy. I was actually trying to find some good, like, shit talk quotes from him. These are, like, it's like, you got to know the moment. Like, he... Yeah, like, It's hard to find a real, like, a quip for him. Well, the thing that I had trouble with is usually, you know, what I found is, like, if you just Google the rock quotes, most uh. of them are, like... 30 inspirational quotes from The Rock. Oh, right. Because... He's, like, really, like, positive. He's, like, all, you can he's do a do super it. positive dude. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I couldn't really find a lot of good shit talk it's stuff. Like, him. if The
1: Rock and Terry Crews were in a movie... Oh, it, man. It, ...the
0: movie might explode. You would be motivated as right. all hell. <laughs> That is for sure, man. Oh, but he was so great. He was yeah. so great, man. So
1: fun. And like the some of the other people on this list that, that I have are from that same era because that was, I think, one of the best eras for shit talk. Because mm-hmm. like a lot of the early 80s stuff, it was about physique. It was about being big. And there weren't a lot of great guys. But in the 90s, it was really about character. absolutely so so. stone cold set that off oh my god stone cold really like hit that moment and just said like because he was already good on the mic when he was stunning steve yeah like if you go back and watch some of his wcw stuff he was he was funny and good on the mic but (laughs) when he just took that i'm just gonna be the fuck it guy like i'm gonna be the ultimate like i don't give a shit about any of this guy and just like, I mean, I mean, his immediate introduction as the real Stone Cold was beating a guy whose gimmick was being a Christian. Oh, my God. And dude. making fun of him and
0: people going, Yes! I know. Which like, is so weird considering yeah. that it's like you're talking about the place where most of the fans of wrestling are like Bible Belt right. southerners. Yeah. And this guy comes out and he says, You could talk about your Psalms and your John 316. Well, Austin 316 says, I just whooped your ass. Yeah. Like, that <laughs> should send him towards the bottom of yeah, the Yeah, that pile. should make
1: him a heel. And that's kind of what they were, that's what they started doing with him, was trying to make him this heel, but, like, he was getting pops. People were loving it. Yeah. So they were like, well, fuck, let's lean into it. He can be the guy who says really, like, crazy shit, but also everybody's
0: just on his side, no matter what. And like he's just a trashy, mean stepdad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like the guy who would bully you probably. Yeah. 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 It's like there's <laughs> enough that I think where it's like everybody could relate to this guy uh-huh. and a lot of people also like wished they could be as hard ass as him right. at the same time. And then yeah. also, great in the ring, one of the best finishers uh-huh. ever, Stone Cold Stone. I think it come out of nowhere. The sound yeah. of the glass breaking. <laughs> you ba-da, just knew. Ba-da. Oh dude. Uh-huh. And it could happen at any time. Yeah. Like stone cold became this omnipresent figure yeah. where it's like you, he could just show up for absolutely no reason.
1: That's true. It just, I like, he'd be the referee. I yeah. like the, what was it? was it HBK. And no, no, that was where Mike Tyson was the guest. Oh referee. God. I forgot yeah. about that match. Yeah. But yeah, like he'd be the referee. And it's just like, you know, he's going to do something, but like he doesn't even have to. Like if he doesn't end up interfering in the match at all, you're still like fuck. Stone Cold's the most entertaining thing in the ring right now. Yeah. Like, got to pay attention to him.
0: And guy could just talk shit, man. He still can. Oh my god, <laughs> listen yes. to his, his podcast. podcast. Is great. Yeah, he's awesome. It's absolutely fantastic. He's so awesome. But dude, I'm I'm serious. Like there for a period in the in the you know, mid late '90s when mm-hmm. he started really blowing up, it's like you couldn't go anywhere and not hear somebody say. I've got to open up a can of whoop ass on you. That's
1: actually, I don't know. It's still popular to the point that Lipton Tea has a can of whoop ass. No. Yeah. And it's like a, a cross promotion with the new Fast and the Furious Hobbs and Shaw. Really? Yeah awesome yes i mean that right there that all those words i just said were the late 90s What it just like <laughs> yeah hobbs and shaw like the fast and the furious they've like really captured what was great about the late 90s and hobbs and shaw seems to be like the most
0: ridiculous that it could get i i want to see it i'm not even gonna lie like, i want to see it
1: I mean come on like have you have you seen all the trailers (laughs) yeah it's it's just like what is
0: this it looks utterly ridiculous (laughs) dude and that's the bottom line Uh because stone cold says so yeah and everybody repeats it dude and him saying what Uh what what and you hear the whole crowd go "What?" yeah before he'd say it it's like everybody knew what he was gonna say but they couldn't wait for him to say it yeah there was something electrifying about what a badass that guy was. I know, man. Because he was also really one of the first guys where it became like the bad guy becomes the guy that everybody likes. I mean, it's like when when you know, people started really realizing Freddy Krueger is the hero of the movie. You know, Jason's the reason right. people come to the show. Yeah. He's, Stone Cold. Stone was the Cold reason. is that. Yeah. He is the Freddy
1: and the Jason where, yeah, where people just want to see this person rip
0: shit and not care about anything oh man he was truly legendary easily and probably the top three like shit talkers of all time yeah
1: now the person though that brought
0: us back because like
1: after stone cold there really was a villain problem where it was like well how do we make villains now yeah yeah exactly because the villains can be the good guys now so what do we do what you do is you get Chris Jericho from the WCW, <laughs> yeah,
2: because Chris
1: Jericho can irritate anybody. Oh my god, dude, he w- he's so fucking good at finding out how to irritate people. But half the crowd is still on his side. Yeah, half the crowd is still like, this is hilarious. Yeah, like when he was listing off all of his ridiculous moves he was gonna pull on people. Have you ever seen that? No, check that out sometime because like he just, I love it already. He had like a thousand and one moves. He said. And like all of them were insane ridiculous moves and you just list them off. He would basically just find the most popular po- person and annoy them. Like that that's really <laughs> that what was his, game. his game was. But like he found a way to annoy them that was not just like hee, I'm annoying, where it was just like, Really get under your skin annoying. Just yeah. like
0: fucking shit why are you wearing a scarf yeah or oh, dude Do you the come scarf he come out yeah the scarf or when he had like that little palm tree of hair yes he'd put like just a tiny bit of uh-huh. hair in the front and and put it up with yeah. like a hairband just this little palm tree of hair and
1: all that was, was to just like get
0: like so that the other because like, to be a little rock in your shoe yeah. you know it's just to fucking annoy you it's yeah. the, it's the piece of sand that you got on that shrimp where you, <laughs> exactly. where you just crunch on it and it just drives you crazy Right. You know? like,
1: because like some guys uh, I'll talk about a few of them in a second some guys will use like real personal shit. Ah, yeah. Because like if you want to have a real good match with some wrestlers you need them to be pissed. Yeah. So like Jericho knew how to just like irritate which <laughs> like if you can irritate like there's some wrestlers who are going to wrestle better mad but all of them are going to wrestle better irritated because they actually do kind of want to hurt the other guy. Totally. So they're going to put a lot more into it and that that's what Jericho is always a master at is just dragging out the best out of the
0: other wrestler and also great in the ring not just a, oh, yes. not just a big shit talk no game. he was always great, great in the ring great podcast too great his podcast is great. as well yeah fozzy awesome ridiculous Boy camp yeah that's mm-hmm. right Boy camp too apparently his favorite yeah i think that's questionable but i'll allow it that is a questionable choice I'll all that, out i fine. respect his honesty uh-huh <laughs> he seems like a, a genuine cool fucking guy yeah yeah good dude he could talk a good a good line of shit But don't you think that he learned it from one of the best of all time? One of the guys that was back there with Flair and Hogan and all these other guys crafting our childhoods. I'm talking about a Macho Randy Savage Man. Yes. Macho
1: Savage Man Randy. He does have the same sort of mind as Macho Man Randy Savage where everything he did was like he knew what he was going to do, but you didn't know he was going to do it. Yeah. Like Macho Man would sound crazy. But he had planned everything he was going to say ahead of time, and it was, like, perfectly planned. Right. He put the period
0: in as he spoke. I'm the tower of power, too sweet to be sour. I'm funky like a monkey. (laughs) Sky's the limit, and space is the place. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what does that mean? (laughs) I don't know, but I think I back it. I think I'm behind it. That's why he
1: always was, was just the guy that, like, mystified you as you're listening to him like i want to hear everything he has to say i don't know what it means but he he
0: seems to know what he's talking about what he's talking
1: about yeah
0: hulkamania is like a single grain of sand in the sahara desert that is macho madness (laughs) (laughs) macho madness macho madness Here's one that I can't quite figure out. I don't want to run this Let's by hear it. You will eat my rear rockets and like it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Eat my rear rockets. Turd. Okay. Rear rockets. Okay. I didn't know if there's anything more to that one. I yeah. guess that is well, was, what he was getting at. That was
1: pre-attitude era where you had to <laughs> not say shit and piss and whatnot. Oh, man, dude. He was just ridiculous. Dude. He really was. Now, we have to... When we talk about him, we have to talk about... If, if he's Sonic... Ultimate warrior is shadow. (laughs) Like, (laughs) ultimate warrior is like the, he's the negaduck to, uh, (laughs) Macho man's Darkwing duck.
0: Whoa. You just brought in some deep cuts.
1: Ultimate warrior is, he's got the same intensity. No direction. As Macho man with literally zero direction. And he had this, the exact opposite problem of Macho man where Macho man could say anything. And everybody was hanging on every word.
0: Ultimate Warrior said two words and you're like, those don't go together. Yeah, you're like, I'm lost. What you've is already, happening? You've already lost me. <laughs> Are you saying you don't understand what he means when he says dig your claws into my organs stretch into my tendons bury your anchors into my bones for the power of the warrior will always prevail. And the fun part was what? the way he would have said that. Oh. dig too close <sighs> into my organs. Dude, he'd go high and low, yeah. the dynamics yeah. all were all over just all. <laughs> oh. Nightmares are the best part of my day. <laughs> <laughs> nightmares are the best part of my day i can't even tell you how much i love that quote what the man because his whole game was as if he wasn't human like he yeah. was from some warrior race of right. aliens or something yeah I he guess. was like
1: just out of this planet oh my god or dude. at least like that's what we thought the story was maybe that was the truth and they were <laughs> yeah. just like ah, fuck it we don't have to <laughs> pretend with this guy just, he showed up with those streamers tied around his biceps oh man
0: somebody put out a tweet a long time ago that said ultimate warrior dressed up like a girl's bike from the 90s yep. and i was like oh my god All like pink and green and white and streamers and yeah. Basically a girl bike. Yep, basically. And then in real life talked a lot of shit about gay people and stuff. Not a good guy. Yeah, not a good person. Not a good person. But he did say, Should I jump off the tallest building in the world? Should I lay on the lawn and let it run over me with lawnmowers? Should I go to Africa and let it trample me with raging elephants? (laughs) Which means something. what could that (laughs) be the family that I live for only breathes the air that smells of combat All right.
1: I think we need to start wrapping up because we've talked way too much about wrestling, and I'm going to talk a
0: little bit more about it in a little bit. One more Dub quote. One more. I got okay, one more. Let's hear it. Lodged in my skull was a piece of the crystal of your kingdom, your madness, they said. But warrior, it's lodged inside your skull. And I said, sew it in. Leave it where it lays. <laughs>
1: Dude, like, I just remember yeah, watching those promos amazed. and
0: just being so lost. Yeah. Also, I loved UW when I was a kid. Yeah, of course. Like, he was the man, right? Oh, my God. Okay, <laughs> sorry. I'll lay off the UW quotes now. I just had that one more. Sorry. Right. You were talking about some guys earlier that really would maybe get a little too personal.
1: Yeah. Um. You could basically say anybody in the Click in the early 90s, the Click was... Kevin Nash, Scott Hall. Oh yeah. Razor Ramon, yeah. a former
0: great shit talker. HBK and Triple H. Just a lot of hard ass Yeah, asses. the big dudes. Yeah, like, HBK also could talk a madline of shit.
1: Yes, he could. And those guys, they would bring out like backstage shit. Yeah. Like, like they would they would bring in real shit into their shit talk. Somebody else who did that though, who was probably one of the best at it because
0: he's insane, is Scott Steiner. Oh, my God. Scott <laughs> Steiner's a lunatic. He's one of those guys where it's like, that's why people shouldn't do steroids. Right. Because you'll lose your mind. And, yep. your, and your dick don't work.
1: Yes. And he was basically the ultimate warrior, but instead of saying crazy shit about crystals and skulls, <laughs> <laughs> he, he was saying shit about people's girlfriends Ooh, and stuff. Oh. like Not like they're proclaimed girlfriend on the show their actual girlfriend oh in real life God, like, dude he would talk mad shit because like after because the steiner brothers they didn't talk
0: like, yeah at all totally. it was just
1: like they'd come out dominate and leave and scott. that was like their the
0: scott and rick, rick right rick, yeah. rick steiner yeah rick would bark right yeah, yeah. he would bark that's right that yeah. steiner liner Frankenstein steiner yeah. all that stuff Good their stuff. whole thing was just like we
1: win and we leave we're the best we don't give a shit yeah uh, and, but then when he became his own guy and also hit the steroids like crazy. Oh my God. Did he ever? Yeah. He, he really just started becoming this loose cannon of just like, they didn't know what to do with him in the WCW because they didn't know what he was going to do when they sent him wow. out there. TNA was the same. He was at TNA for a while. like uh-huh. And I would say early, it, it always happened mm-hmm. early on, even they would, you know, bring in real life stuff, but it would be. A bit more respectful, where it was like, you know, wink, wink, I'm saying this because of the crowd. Whereas with Scott Steiner, it was like, he probably is just saying this because he wants to piss that guy off. Like, he really wants him to be mad, mostly because he wants to get in an actual fight, I imagine. Jesus, dude. Like, just rage coming out of him. Yeah. So, yeah, those guys... I especially the click were real good at it, but it was actually like one of those things where if you if you were in the backstage, if they said something shit about you, like that could be the end of your career because they by the time like, you know, the before they uh, Scott Hall and and Kevin Ash left for WCW, they basically ran WWF. They decided the cards and stuff, you know, some real devastating true life shit talk no kidding, that would man. just be brought into the ring. CM Punk has talked a lot of shit in his life Punk too. CM Punk is... He basically built his career on shit talk. Yeah. Like, uh John Cena did that too where when he was a heel like he was a fucking great shit talker. CM mm-hmm. Punk though just never stopped it. He never stopped. Yeah. And he, and he, he
0: talked like insider like business yeah, shit yeah. like on non-wrestling TV
1: shows. Yes. That it, was that was his draw where it was just like... He's never off. Never off. Yeah. And, and like basically the difference between CM Punk and, and the real guy were negligible by the yeah. where it was yeah, just like this is line. actually what I think fuck you
0: but, yeah, yeah yeah he would go way off and of course he also had a lot of great shit talking managers and stuff inside yeah, of the rings yeah. Bobby the Brain he, and all he ever talked to was how he's so much smarter than everybody <laughs>
1: And, like, in the 80s, he could play it off by just using a couple big words, and people were like, yeah, I guess that's smart. (laughs) He's one of them fancy boys. I'm Smart as hell. (laughs) But now you listen back to him, it's like, he just said a couple of kind of big words. Jim Cornette always pissed me off with his tennis racket. And that's, that's what he was all about. Like, he was about being the guy who drew the heat, and then, like, his stable or whatever, they could, you know say a few things on Mike and people would be like, I kind of hate them because of their manager, but they could easily turn face and leave him like leaving him as a manager made you a face now. Mm -hmm. So like he was able to basically just keep all these heels popular without the heel having to actually be good on the mic
0: yeah yeah which is that's genius. the thing yeah, yeah. totally because you would hate the wrestlers in his camp just by association yeah. of him mm-hmm. it's like he was so good at being yeah a shit heel if mr fuji
1: was in your corner you were the bad guy
0: totally. Mister fuji didn't even have to say anything though. no huh? like
1: but yeah jim Cornette super good on the mic the mouth of the south jimmy hart Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Great. He was awesome. Mm-hmm. For sure, dude. Really, really quality stuff. Super charming. Super great. Awesome. What do you call professional wrestling? Is It's basically just like... Male soap opera. Male soap opera, yeah. The, the female division has become the best division. <laughs> yeah, totally. And in some ways, by avoiding a lot of the deep soap opera elements that are in the men's division. Mm-hmm. By having... Like, you know, they have their drama or whatever... But they also then get in the ring and they're real good. Like, it's not like one wrestler who sucks and one wrestler who's good carrying the match. Yeah. It's just a bunch of great yeah, women it's, wrestlers. It's, it's
0: not really about the whole like catfight element yeah. anymore. It's like, no, actually, a lot of these chicks are really yeah. great, really great wrestlers, you know? And that's awesome. There's two, two other things I want to say. Let's hear them. Two other things I want to bring up real quick. Talking about some of the stuff that got like really real. Uh huh. That would also happen too with. Some of the stuff that happened, like, let's say back during the Gulf War, like when Sergeant uh-huh. Slaughter <laughs> turned over to, like, the side of uh, Nikita Koloff and right. all those guys. Mm-hmm. Remember they burnt an American flag and stuff?
1: Yeah. And that was during the big flag-burning, like, controversy, yeah. yeah.
0: And it's like they brought that in to the ring, uh-huh. into real life, as though that was a storyline. Right. And I feel like I've mentioned this on one of the other shows a million years ago, but it's like that would be like a wrestler now, like, I don't know, joining the Taliban. (laughs) And that's his his character. It
1: would. It would. And now that would be like, no, you can't do that. But like in the eighties, because people look back on it now and they're like, eh, it's no big deal that there was this,
0: you know, Middle Eastern character who was like, Oh, at the time it was a really, it was a huge fucking deal. Yeah. So like like, Sergeant Slaughter doing that was taking a real personal risk. Like, uh, He could have got his, you know, fucking self shot or something yeah, like that back then. When those guys walked out, walk out of the arena, even There's, today, he's still Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah,
1: yeah they they still look the same, and they don't. They're not surrounded by security. They're just dudes
0: getting in their fucking Honda and driving to the next town. Yeah, and and somebody out there took it real serious when he burnt that flag. Yeah, and they could go after him. Yeah, you know, that's ball. I mean, it's ballsy, extremely ballsy. Yeah, especially considering Sergeant Slaughter was such like a, like a. Like an American hero to the kids. He was in G.I. Joe. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We watched him on G.I. Joe, dude. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Let me run one by you here, and I want you to tell me if Mm -hmm. you can guess who this shit-talking (laughs) salty-ass line is from. (laughs) What I'd like to have right now is for all you fat out of shape <laughs> Chicago sweat hogs to keep the noise down while I take my robe off and show the ladies what a real man is supposed to look like. Is this ravishing? Rick? Is ravishing Rick. Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, that, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, he was so good.
1: That character is great. Cause like it, it plays on cause like, you know, the thing about professional wrestling that's really brilliant and Jesus genius is that, you know, if you're on the side of, you know, behind the ring behind the curtain you know we're taking money from Rubes yeah what you do is be the character they love America milk vitamins Kurt (laughs) Angle (laughs) totally yeah I mean that was his shtick for a while it was Hulk Hogan I mean you you do that and I'll come out and go no other countries are better and then they'll go boo no America is better obviously I hate you And then I win, and they'll want to come back to see you beat me. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's a brilliant, brilliant way to take money from
0: people who want to give it away anyway. Absolutely. (laughs) And if the world's a better place for it, it's true. <laughs> so fun, man! I'm sure we might have left some of y'all's favorite shit talkers out. So oh yeah, I know. Be sure did. to to post yours up in the Facebook group and stuff. Yeah. Let us know if you got some particular like you know interview clips and stuff or hype oh reels, man, yeah, put up post some
1: them up. I especially some newer wrestlers. <laughs> I've been trying to get into wrestling again for nice. a long time, and I just I can't. I don't know. I
0: can't do it anymore. Like the. I just don't get into the drama of it. Yeah, they, well, there's so much, too, going on where it's just like... It, it'd be like if I picked up a new issue of X-Men where I'm like, I don't know what's been going yeah, on here for like 10 years. Exactly. I go and I watch the pay-per-views of my friends yeah. We we have like parties and stuff, and they'll explain to me, okay, that person's been feuding with that person. Right. Like, okay, cool. That's, gonna, why, it and I have fun. that's
1: why ECW was so genius because you could just pop in any ECW pay-per-view and you don't care who's good or bad because the audience doesn't care who's good or bad. You care that something crazy is going to happen. Oh,
0: and crazy shit and happened. And crazy shit happened. And you go, I
1: like that guy who made the crazy
0: shit happen. I don't care what the storyline is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like we neglected a lot of WCW, ECW. Oh, for sure. A lot of those factions. Yeah. Most of ours are focused on WWF because that's what I grew up watching.
1: Yeah, that's you know, true.
0: We'd watch some WCW. of course, there's a lot of talent over there. Yeah. So I'm sure we've neglected a lot of your, your all's favorites from those factions. So... Let us know on the Facebook group. Steve, I've got to get me a pull. I need oh, you another feel a pull, because that, that?
1: that lager, boy,
0: I took it down real quick. So easy sipping. Take me down to the lager city. Uh, <laughs> it was good, though. It was nice, man. It, it was like a drier, less sweet Budweiser. Yeah. Which, you know, something that's been on my mind lately... Is you remember those ads that played when we were kids about bitter beer face? Yes, the that Keystone was like a big things. Yes, yeah, so and mm-hmm. it's like somebody drink a, a Miller or whatever and get uh-huh. a bitter beer face. And that once again just shows me, and we talked about this before, how sugar addicted baby boomers are. They, they yes. thought, that they thought they thought a Budweiser was bitter. Yes. Are
1: you kidding me? That's crazy. They they put rice in it because rice is cheap and sweet. Yeah. Just like. What do you mean, bitter? I don't know. It means that you're a child. Or were they trying to like or were they trying to like get in on the Heineken
0: game? I think that Heineken they were just making was a little more skunky. I I guess like but Heineken isn't naturally skunky. It's only it's that not way if it sits out in those green bottles. Exactly. I had me a fresh Heineken from a can the other day. It was good stuff. Delightful. Yeah. Now I have just poured us here something that's quite nice. This is from the Mad Tree Brewing Company. This is a limited release. It's called the Citra High Imperial IPA. This is a nine and a half percenter. Holy shit! Old beer. And it's good. All right. I have to try it out here. It's uh, surprisingly tasty considering how strong that is. Like, you won't really taste that much booze in it, right? Oh, it doesn't taste boozy at all. It it's very, fruity. Re- it's, yeah, it's kind of fruity. A little a, resiny. A little
1: resiny, yeah. Not extremely hoppy to no, me. No, it's light and, um, again, refreshing. Like, mm-hmm. this is a
0: nice, refreshing beer. Yeah, but it's almost 10%, so... <laughs> It'll waylay lay your ass. Way to go, Mad Tree! Yeah, Mad Tree makes some pretty good stuff, man. I've not been really that disappointed with. I don't mm. think any of their stuff that I've had. I've only honestly. had a few, but yeah, they've yeah, all been good. He's been pretty good, and their distribution's pretty good too. So, yeah, way to go, Mad Tree! You did a good thing. Y'all, the man. Now we are here today to talk in depth about. They live from nineteen and uh-huh, 88. That's what I said. 1988. Yeah, that's the one. Obviously, what you think? I didn't know when the movie was made. <laughs> when did you watch this movie for the first time? Oh man, they live. This was one
1: I remember watching as a kid and not really getting. Okay, yeah,
0: you probably watched it because Razzle Man in it. Yeah, yeah,
1: and I just being like, "Oh, what is this? I don't get it." yeah um and then seeing it again as a teenager and be like all oh, right i get it now because i've smoked weed yeah see it's about the system man the it's just the corrupt, system man. and now that i'm a grown-ass adult i'm like oh it, it's about the system <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> only it's a much more dire like oh no oh no
0: that's the system we that live is in how today it works. oh no and this is a dystopian future they're showing so when you saw it as a kid, you probably just mainly liked it because it had Rowdy in it. Yeah, and I was happy about Rowdy Rowdy
1: Piper, and there was a wrestling match in the middle, basically. So. Yeah, pretty much. So yeah. a lot to love there. And the fun people looked funny. Yeah, and there's some great great quotes in here. All the, yeah, uh-huh. you know, came but here to kick that, ass. Yeah, none of that down. hit
0: me as a kid. It was all just Rowdy Rowdy Piper being cool. I watched this for the first time, I think, maybe just a year or two ago. Oh wow! Yeah, I hadn't seen it at all. I just heard about it, and uh, I remember watching it because it had Rowdy Roddy Piper in it. Good choice. And then be like, "Oh shit! This is a John Carpenter movie. Like yeah. this actually might be really good." Mm-hmm. And really enjoying it. Like I watched this movie. I think I think this is the only second time I watched the movie. Actually, I watched it that first time. Really liked it. Finally realized that that's where that entire like obey like t shirt line yeah, and stuff comes uh, the from. Shepherd Fairy, yeah, he was yeah. very much
1: influenced by this. I mean, it just is this. Yeah, it is. You with, know, uh, with the Andre the Giant face instead. Oh yeah,
0: is that who that is? Yeah, it's Andre the Giant. I need to go back and look at that. You do what the hell? But yeah, I remember really, really, really liking the movie, and so when we decided to do it for the show, I was super stoked to watch it. Kate had never seen it either. Oh, okay. Although she just recently watched another Rowdy Roddy Piper yeah, feature. Yeah, we all did on I the stream and chat. I was You did
1: Hell Comes to Frogtown. I mentioned it at the end of the last show. What the fuck is this? Hell Comes Because I don't to know Frogtown. anything about it. Well, I'll tell you my wife's observation, which I think is probably the uh, sharpest observation about Hell Comes to Frogtown <laughs> there, there is. Okay. It's a uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, well, yeah. I love Mad Max Fury Road. Sure, but imagine if the writing was worse. Okay, and the central premise of the beginning was Rowdy Roddy Piper is a rapist. Okay, but this is his sperm works, and nobody else's sperm works. So all the ladies need that sweet, sweet sperm. This is sounds like a porno.
0: Not what I was anticipating.
1: No. What? That's really what it's about? He's the only one person who can impregnate people. What happens in uh Mad Max Fury Road? There's a pregnant woman. She's the only pregnant woman, basically, right? Yeah. All right. So there's some of that. Okay. There's also the fact that the main female character drives the entire time that sounds a little familiar Uh okay does anybody uh, spray
0: silver spray paint on their face they
1: don't do that okay so that's unique but instead of that they have people who look like frogs frog people and they look like the the makeup effects are really good like surprisingly really really
0: good is the movie actually good though no no it's bad (laughs) No, it's real bad. <laughs> okay, after all that, I was yeah. like, sounds pretty interesting. It is fun, though.
1: It was real fun to watch, especially drinking with a bunch of other people talking shit about it. But also, the, like, the positive part about it, because, like, there's a lot of, like, we we drink and talk shit about a lot of movies on Friday nights, and um, what I found is there's not much that comes of it. But watching Hell Comes to Frogtown at least started the meme in my own household of saying... Shut your hole <laughs> What the fuck does that mean You'd have to
0: see I, I gotta you know see what? it and find out When you see it in the movie You'll go What the fuck does that oh, mean <laughs> okay Alright Wow So I need to watch that. Is yeah, that his it, acting debut Um
1: no the, he, he had done a couple things Before this But uh, They live in
0: Hell Comes Frogtown Came out the same year Oh really So yeah It was
1: like early on In his acting He group. graced
0: the silver screen Uh huh Many times that year That's true
1: Let's. I just wanted to talk a little about Roddy Piper. That's going to go veer a little back into wrestling. Oh, I want to hear about it. But I think it's, it's important history
0: about why Roddy Piper is in this movie. Okay, yeah, because I'm interested to know. Because, you know, nowadays, seeing a wrestler in a movie... It's not a surprise. I mean, fucking Batista was in Blade Runner. Yeah. You know, yeah, he's, John in, Cena, he's a guardian of the galaxy. John Cena, and
1: Batista, The Rock, they're
0: all actually good actors. They are. Yeah. And whenever I found out that Rowdy Roddy Piper was in this movie, again, a few years ago and watched Uh it the first time, I was like, man, John Carpenter or whoever was in charge of casting really saw the writing on the wall because up to then, if you wanted an actor in a great physical role, it's like, well, okay, Mm -hmm. we need six months to a year to get him in shape so they have a good body. Or you get a bodybuilder who can't really speak. Yeah. Arnold. Like Arnold. yeah. Yeah, exactly. But then you had guys like Rowdy who were already on the mic all the time mm-hmm. acting in character. And also big dudes. Also already Jack, yeah. and could do their you know, their own falls and stuff right. like this. It's like you kind of end up uh, getting two birds stoned at once That's when you right. can get a wrestler as an actor, especially in an action movie.
1: It's probably easier to get two birds stoned at once than you think to so? kill two birds with one stone. I'm sure. I'm yeah. certain of that. I'm certain of that. I imagine, though, because, like, you know, how some birds are scavengers. You start to get one vulture
0: high, six other vultures show up. Oh, my God. I can't get rid of these things. Okay, so give us some history about how he right, ended up yeah, in this Yeah, and,
1: and I hope you'll stick with me if you skip through all the other wrestling talk. This wrestling talk is actually helpful in understanding at least some of the mid-80s. So, before vince mcmahon took over the wwf and i will be referring to it as the wwf because it was the wwf in the 80s it was it wasn't the wwe before vince mcmahon took over his dad's company there was this non-aggression pact basically between wrestling territories and wwf was the northeast that's where you wrestled. northeast okay they wrestled in the northeast sometimes you have some cross promotion you know, maybe your big star from the South goes to California for a match with their big star. And, you know, it's non-title or whatever. But you you don't have wrestling matches for your own promotion in different cities. Okay. I didn't know that, but all right. Yeah. So Vince McMahon came along and he was like, yeah, well, fuck that, though. I could take the whole map. I could take it all. Yeah. And so he gets, you know, his star he starts putting together this stable of stars but with genius real genius genius. he started spending actual money like a lot of the promoters at at that time were just pulling in their money and never really spending it on the talent it was like I'll find another buff stupid hayseed to take your job right Um, and you know if you look back at the quality of wrestling back then it just it wasn't great you didn't have to be amazing to be good in the ring so Vince McMahon was like fuck that I'll start Pulling in real talent, he started and developing these guys that I think could be stars. So there's something
0: in it for them if they're loyal,
1: right? And before that, the concept of being a wrestling star didn't exist. Like being the best wrestler in the area was like. Well, sweet, you're the, you know, prettiest meth girl in the trailer park. Like, <laughs> you're the best
0: bass player. Way yeah, you're
1: the best bass player. <laughs> you're Getty Lee. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, you're Getty Lee bass. Uh-huh. Which is pretty And people are like, "Who's Getty Lee?" Yeah. Well, not most of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Yeah.
1: So, Vince was like, "All right, I'm going to I'm going to start building up my stable. I'm going to move into other territories." But the real genius thing he started doing was pop culture cross promotion. Okay. So, captain lou albano who worked for him at the time lots of rubber bands met, in his goatee yes that's him met cindy lopper on a trip to puerto rico oh yeah they were like tight they became tight yeah. on this trip to puerto rico and cindy lopper was like hey i want you to play my dad in the you know in my video right so <laughs> captain lou albano plays uh her dad in this video and then vince sees this as an opportunity So he invites Cindy Lopper to come on to the WWF show and have her own like storyline where it's her versus Captain Lou Albano (laughs) and they chose their own like champions to fight each other. And so for this, they invented a women's championship. So like not only does this tie into John Carpenter's They Live, but it ties into the creation of the women's championship, which is a pretty big deal. Which they then claimed the fabulous Moolah had held for 28 years. Um, and then she and someone else who I can't remember because I uh, just read this today. Uh, Wendy Richter. They had a
0: match to see who basically was right between was like Cindy Lauper and Game of Thrones and have somebody fight for it, trial by combat. Yes, yeah. like
1: that. Um, and of course,
0: they did this on MTV. Wow. Yes. Which at that time was like this the was biggest new and the biggest media. fucking thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Genius. Genius. Absolute genius. And then
1: Cindy Lopper, I guess, as part of like the contract, she then had pro wrestlers in three more of her videos. So Captain Lou Albano was in some videos. Rowdy Roddy Piper was in The Goonies Are Good Enough. Going back to the Goonies. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. So Then this all led to this rise in popularity, which of course fell on the shoulders of Hulk Hogan, who was Vince's chosen guy. Now, Vince's chosen heel for Hulk Hogan was Rowdy Roddy Piper. Ah, that was his foil. Yeah, he saw Rowdy Roddy Piper as the perfect foil to Hulk Hogan, who's this perfect blonde hair, blue-eyed, ripped, muscular guy who says his prayers and eats his vitamins. And then you got this Canadian guy who they claim is Scottish and plays the bagpipes and hits people in the nuts and cheats and runs away. Yeah, And dude. he's the villain. And so that they headlined WrestleMania 1. That was the headliner. <laughs> was Roddy Roddy Piper, Hulk Hogan, and then... Just a few months later, they introduced Hulk Hogan's Rockin' Rockin' Wrestlers. Was it Rockin' Wrestlers? Rockin' Wrestlers. Rockin' Wrestling. Rockin' Wrestling. Rockin' Wrestling. Uh, did you ever see this cartoon?
0: Hulk Hogan's I... Rockin' Wrestling? This doesn't ring a bell. Tell me yeah. about that. You
1: may have been too young. It was That's September 85 that, that it came out. Okay, so and, that was one. Yeah. And it was a cartoon, and it was a stable of face wrestlers with Hulk Hogan as their leader and a stable of heel wrestlers with Rowdy Ryder Piper as their leader. And this aired for two years. Wow. I have ever seen this. I remember watching it all the time. This was also the time when they started pumping out Hulk Hogan items. I had the Hulk Hogan weightlifting set for kids. Oh my god, kids. dude. Like, it was, it was just this time where everything... Vince McMahon really saw an opportunity to enter into kids' imaginations knowing in 15 years he could really get the payoff. Well, he Ray A. Crocked them. You know? Yes. The Ronald McDonald's. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Wow, man. So, Rowdy Roddy Piper had this opportunity because he was the big heel. Hulk Hogan was getting into movies, so people were interested in Rowdy Roddy Piper getting into movies. John Carpenter saw this as a good opportunity because, well, I'll get into it more, but Basically, John Carpenter saw in Rowdy, Rowdy, Piper an entertainer who could also play very simple, but also be entertaining. Like, he doesn't have to do a lot to be entertaining. Just a face or just, like, you know, one line and you're like, I, yeah, I get this guy. Yeah,
0: just good presence.
1: Yeah. Unlike Hulk Hogan, who has to live up to the good boy image in all of his his roles, Rowdy, Rowdy Piper can do whatever the fuck you want so like you know he goes for a low blow in the eight minute long fight scene like you yeah. know, he he can be the common man
0: well i couldn't see hulk hogan shooting up a bank no
1: but you're rowdy rowdy
0: piper you could yeah he was already the bad guy so just exactly whatever.
1: so it's it's a perfect choice also considering the fact that rowdy rowdy piper is a better
0: actor than yeah hulk oh, hogan five, e- yeah no contest yeah. At all. <laughs> like he, he's not yeah it's not even close was Carpenter like a wrestling fan back
1: then? Not that I know of. He's he's a big uh, basketball and video game fan, but right, I, I think he just saw this guy and saw this opportunity. I mean, Rowdy Roddy Piper had left the WWF around that time after WrestleMania 4. Or WrestleMania 3 had a boxing match with Mr. T. Oh,
0: yeah. I remember uh-huh. that. Yeah, that would have been 87.
1: Yeah, which actually stemmed from the WrestleMania 1 match where uh, Mr. T was on Hulk Hogan's side, and apparently Rowdy Roddy Piper had to carry Mr. T the whole match because he was just so bad at wrestling. Oh, man. And he talked some shit about him, and Mr. T was, like, legit mad at him. So Uh they were like, well, let's turn it into a fucking boxing match. Badass. Yeah. But, yeah, like, he kind of stepped away from wrestling and was focusing more on acting because of his health. Like, he... He was never in great health when he was wrestling. And if you remember, like... Even when he would come back in the 90s, he didn't do much. Like, he would do a lot of talk, but not a lot of wrestling. Mm -hmm. The Piper's Pit would, like, keep coming back, but it wouldn't be because Roddy Piper was wrestling. It would just be because Roddy Piper is good on the mic. So, he, yeah, stepping into acting was kind of natural for him. And John Carpenter, I think, really saw an opportunity with him as this big guy who can play dumb because he does that in this movie a lot, playing dumb,
0: not being dumb. I might say he's more gullible than dumb Mm -hmm. because Nada doesn't seem like a moron, but he definitely seems like he's gullible. Yeah. He's, he's swall, he's internalized the american dream like yes, that, that is very, exactly very what much. he is he's very, very much
1: he's this person who very much believes in the american dream believes, believes everything he's ever been told yep hard work will get you places yeah. I, despite
0: the fact that he's a homeless drifter he still believes that right yeah. yeah yeah and john carpenter of course we're no stranger to we uh yeah. we, as i said earlier we love him we've done halloween we've done in the mouth of madness on the show yeah
1: we we've done a few of his movies oh fuck something yeah else? no i feel like i'm forgetting right? like
0: a couple titles of his Ooh, anyway uh, we did vampires oh yeah vampires We didn't like that one, no right? that one's that's not, not great. a very but good that, movie well i mean that's oh, a good the thing one. we've done the thing on oh, the, show. the thing
1: yeah. yeah that's a good reason to talk about what happened to his career in this movie
0: is the crux point of his career really yeah because john carpenter has been robbed many times yes yeah. i mean you know halloween made a huge splash one of the most influential horror flicks of all time uh, The Thing was the biggest bomb of his entire career which but is insane one considering. of the best movies oh, of dude. his career oh yeah, yeah. And, and it's like widely regarded like it's not just like one of those things where I mean we love In the Mouth of Madness most people yeah, don't yeah most people aren't big on it but pretty much everybody who likes horror or really uh, just movies period these days knows The Thing is like a 10 out of 10 easy yeah you know but when it came out it absolutely tanked This movie's history in the box office is suspect. There's some weirdness here because it debuted and Mm -hmm. did really, really well. Right. and Really
1: well. Well, okay. So, here's kind of what happened. He got Big Trouble in Little China and they gave him a big budget and it bombed. Yeah. Which, again, everybody loves that movie too. That's true. But then they gave him projects with smaller budgets. Prince of Darkness... $3 Three million dollar budget. Wow, made almost fifteen million dollars. Even if, uh, which this does happen with some movies where they spend up to the budget itself on promotion if they really believe in it, or even more. Paranormal Activity, obviously, they spent way oh, more. Oh man, on, yeah, Blair Witch, yeah, Blair yeah. Witch. Um, but even if they had spent six million total, they still made more than double their money. It was still a success. Yeah, yeah. So. Off the success of Prince of Darkness and They Live, he got the Chevy Chase comedy, the uh, Invisible Man comedy. I don't know if you know about this. Oh. Yeah, okay. He got that, and that fucking tanked. Now, I'll tell you this. Anything involving Chevy Chase that tanks, Chevy Chase's fault. It Almost very, always. very much seems that way. Read he, up on Chevy Chase, like the dude. a piece
0: dude's of shit. Jerk. He's a total asshole. Yeah. Like, I've read I mean, so many misogynistic, yeah. racist quotes for uh-huh. that guy. Uh-huh. Ooh, you don't have to dig deep to no. find out why to not like Chevy Chase. Right. So that movie bombed, not
1: Carpenter's fault. And then Mouth of Madness came out. But by the time Mouth of Madness came out, it's six years after they live. It's only his second movie, six years later. Wow. So he's already getting kind of pushed out. And then he's only getting these smaller possible jobs. He did get offered Halloween H2O, but he insisted on being paid $10 million because that's how much uh, Mustafa Cod owed him from the original Halloween. Right,
0: yeah, he got grossly underpaid for that.
1: Yeah, so Mustafa Cod refused because, I don't know, refused to give the person the money he owes him just to do just another because. job. Uh, and so he didn't take that. And wow. he just, like, kept rejecting jobs. I mean, even in... in uh, Eighty nine, he rejected uh, The Exorcist three. Like he oh, he, he, was he kept getting offered some titles that were bigger, but I think he was just done with the system. And this movie is kind of his. Fuck I'm done system. with it. Fuck yeah. you,
0: movie. Well, that's the thing is. I mean, when you look at it that way, as far as yeah, Halloween, his his baby that yeah. everybody loves, he got big time screwed on. Yeah, like, he started his career by getting screwed. And just kind of kept getting screwed.
1: A lot. Over and over. But he could go and make music, and he had enough money to not have to worry about that. Yeah. and he's so almost, it just uh, like, fuck Watch it.
0: basketball and play video games yeah. and do music. So that's kind of what he does now. I get that. I respect the fuck out of I that, too, too, by the way. I think that's awesome. Yeah. But the weird thing about this movie is that it came out and debuted extremely strong, and then was out of theaters after like a week or two. It's not that the momentum slowed down. It's that it got, like, pulled. Let me tell you something
1: about that liberal Hollywood people always talk about. Look out. It's not liberal at all. It's super conservative. It's the interest of corporations. Yes. And they are not spreading a liberal message. It's ridiculous that you think that. Yeah, because it won't make money out
0: of everybody's pockets if it's super liberal.
1: And this movie has been called by none other than Slavoj Zizek. Who is that? Slavoj Zizek is... uh, He's Czech, I believe. He's a intellectual a expert in pop culture, one might say. psychoanalyst perspective.
0: Yeah, sounds like some kind of cuck to me.
1: Yeah, that's him. <laughs> uh, but in, in uh, the documentary, The Pervert's Guide to Ideology, which oh, is Slavoj okay. Zizek, uh, he says that They Live is definitely one of the forgotten masterpieces of the Hollywood left. Wow. And you have to remember that. There is a Hollywood left. There are leftists in Hollywood and they can speak their mind when they're not making movies. But look at the movies that get produced and pushed. They all push the same capitalism, good communism, bad socialism, bad protect your own. Don't worry about everybody else. They all push the same message. And what this pushes is a message of corporations are bad. This is all
0: negative. We have to change the world. Yeah, very much. It was very much the American dream is dead because of wild corporate greed. Yeah, and you put
1: it out just to show him that you're right, and then you make money off of it, so you have to
0: pull it out because if it makes more money, it changes minds. Yes. This was kind of a dangerous movie because, I mean, it, it came out... Kind of in the heart of, of Reaganomics and... Yes, and that's what he's reacting to. John specifically. Carpenter hated Ronald Reagan. And he should, because hated that's him. the
1: reason our country is what it is he today. destroyed the
0: middle class. Because
1: he could see it. You could see it in 1988. John Carpenter could look at what was happening and say, this is what's going to happen. Long and term. here we are in 2019, and it happened. It's not an alien invasion, though. No. It's just the fucking lizard people... That live among us. <laughs> I don't
0: mean actual lizard people. Yeah, I yeah, mean yeah. like not they're, they're cold. they have no heart whatsoever. Sure. Yeah, so considering that this movie was such a strong I mean not not veiled opinion on Yeah, no, nothing veiled in this.
1: Everything he wants to say is said
0: in this movie. Oh, yeah. It's not all that Uh, I don't know conspiratorial Mm. to say that this got yanked because it ruffled a lot of people's feathers and people wanted it gone before it made people start thinking because I mean I don't know I will at least play a little bit of devil's advocate here and be like if a person who is already maybe a little bit mentally unbalanced watched this movie and took the messages maybe literally and then went and shot up a bank or something like that yeah Okay. That that's I can see some
1: negative there, but that's not why they pulled it. Alright, here's a quote directly from John Carpenter. Okay. And it is he was describing the alien threat in the first sentence, but then he immediately started talking about universal executives. He said, They want to own all our businesses. And then he says, A universal executive asked me, Where's the threat in that? We all sell out every day. I ended up using that line in the film. Yeah, <laughs> Like oh. th- this is, he's he's talking to the lizard person. He's talking to the people, the cold heart, the people who don't care about humanity. Yeah, he's talking to them directly and using their money to make a movie to expose them, and it made money, and that pissed them off. Wow. Yeah, they took it personally. Yeah, and his career was dead, basically, after that. Damn, dude. It's crazy. We, I mean, we've talked about it when we talked about Harvey Weinstein. Like, people don't understand Hollywood. Like, outside of L.A., people look at Hollywood as, like, Town. It's, like, this great, wonderful place. And then, like, inside of L.A., people look at it as, like, tourist attraction. Piece of shit place that's always gonna cause traffic. I hate that. Mm -hmm. But, like, within Hollywood, it's just this Real, I don't want to say anything that would eventually not get me a job. It's a real nepotistic, real like cold environment that is about making money for a very small number of people and not about messages. It's, it's just like the WWF. Hmm. No different. Mm-hmm. The exact same thing is there are rubes out there with money. They want to give it away. We want to take it. Let's give them the thing they like to hear but what happens just like with vince whenever uh people like with daniel bryant like people vince didn't want daniel bryant to ever be daniel bryant to ever be like a big champion in the wwe but the people made it happen and and he still tried to destroy it as it it was happening as the people's will become something that the executives don't want they just start pulling those stories. Like, whatever is making that happen, they start making them disappear. Mm -hmm. So, like, all the dystopian stuff up to this point had been, like, fun and silly, like, you know, Terminator and RoboCop and, uh, you know, the one where Arnold Schwarzenegger goes to Mars. What is that? Total Recall. (laughs) Total Recall. Like, all those had been fun, happy. Like, that's never going to happen. But this one comes along and it's like, Oh, this is the exact trajectory we want and you're exposing it. I don't like that. Right. And I think we don't like that
0: people like it. <laughs> definitely taint his career. And so Carpenter definitely did kind of commit some some career suicide yeah. with this movie because it is just ballsy as shit, man. Those first scenes whenever Nada gets the shades and looks at the world as yeah. it really is. I mean up until this point in the movie, that's probably like a half an hour, forty minutes or something into the movie. It's all just kind of been like, okay, there's this friendly the setup? harmonica yeah. music and acoustic guitar and homeless well, yeah. people in shantytown. It's and-
1: setting up the world that we're living in, which is basically a 1930s uh, L.A. kind of thing where you have all these people who are having to come from other states looking for work, which is what happened during the Dust Bowl days. The people coming from the middle of the country moving yeah. to Southern California looking for work and living in these shanty towns. And being treated like we see roddy piper treated when he goes to get a job at the
0: you know that one office and yeah, he's talking to the old lady place. and she's just disgusted with him i love that there's that message where it's just like food stamp programs aren't even working anymore yeah. don't even apply uh, i just want
1: any <laughs> any if we do still have some trump supporters listening i want you to remember this That when Oklahoma needed help in the 30s and they needed to move from their state to get new jobs, they were treated the way you treat migrants coming to this country. Yeah. It could turn on you any moment. You need to stop it.
0: Damn. That's just how it happened. And that's the bottom line. And that's
1: the bottom line cuz Hollywood Steve said so. <laughs> I'm telling you like this this really did just set up like the dirty ills of LA like uh the destruction of the shanty towns that happened with the Okies. It also happened when they built uh the Dodgers stadium. There was an entire community where that stadium is and they basically just came in and said, "Sorry, get out of here." And bulldozed their place. Like No kidding. I mean, I love the city.
0: But it's corrupt
1: as shit. Well, that's what that song is about, about how this (laughs) terrible L.A. actually is. But, yeah, like, it's very corrupt, and this this is, like, just sort of trying to expose all that evil
0: corruption of L.A. and Hollywood and, like, just
1: business and capitalism in general.
0: Yeah, especially the capitalist aspects, I think are really, really, really covered here because whenever he puts on those shades and sees that black and white world which i love that it's yeah. bl- literally black and white uh, yeah and it's also like just cinematically like this high contrast gritty grainy yeah black and white yes that looks awesome yes it does and like all the ads are black and white it's a uh, white sign with black letters that say obey yeah marry and reproduce
1: yeah i i wrote down as Sleep. many as i could yeah there's a lot i wrote down a bunch of them too he, here's some of my favorites Work eight hours, sleep out eight hours, play eight hours. Now, I want anybody who's listening who just heard that and said, like, yeah, that's right. That's not fucking right. Now, everybody thinks there was this period for hundreds of thousands of years where the average age of death was 30. what they don't understand is that infant mortality rates were high at that time. Looking at it statistically, if you survived infancy... You would make it into your 70s. Oh, so that's what drug that
0: averages high.
1: How much work would that person put in on an average week to survive? About 10 hours. 10 hours of work to gather enough food to survive a week. Uh. To keep your shelter up. Work 8 hours a day for fucking what? Somebody else. For money you can use it to pay corporations that are paying other people to do the fucking job like that you could just uh, go do. Yeah, you could yeah. just go kill your own meat. <laughs> go fish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And and they give you these things, and that's which what is they, also
0: illegal without a license now. Right? Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. You can't even go fucking fit. like they. in well, some it, of the
0: cities, you can't even give food to homeless people anymore. They've made it illegal to not participate in capitalism. Is what they're wow, doing. Wow, that's that's yeah. a, that's a great way to yes. sum it up. You have to play the game. You, you have can't, to you have can't sit least out the some game. Some
1: money to exist, wow. and if you don't have money. We'll harass you for some reason. I I keep thinking of how appropriate it is that we're doing this movie at this time, but then I keep thinking of how appropriate it is that this movie exists at any time. The CEO of Nestle came out and said that access to water is not a human right. Yeah. Because... They take water from places that need water and bottle it and sell it to other places or back to the place where it came from. Yeah, <laughs> it was already there. Uh, it was a, It's an issue that was happening in uh, California during the drought where the Coca-Cola bottling plant was still bottling Dasani and shipping it out of the, the state. We need the water here now. Uh, yeah, it's insane. It's fucking crazy. That this, wow. Anyway, man. all right. So uh, one of the other are two of the others that I saw that I think are the core of what this is about is doubt humanity and
0: mm. honor apathy. Honor apathy. Oh, like, cold.
1: yeah. Cause like all the other stuff, like surrender, consume, conform, obey. That's all just like this command. But this is like, this is what Carpenter thinks is like at the bottom of all this. Is that people doubt other humans and don't believe other people could possibly have good and positive intentions and honor apathy, meaning let things happen. You can't change the world, right? Like, yeah, just lay down and go. Just lay it. down and let it go. It's yeah,
0: fine. which is the the more comfortable position that very our, comfortable. Our, our masters would like us to take. Yeah, it's very comfortable. They, they don't be
1: a problem in some countries being a problem will get you killed immediately yeah Uh, in some countries it'll get you jailed indefinitely uh in this country being a problem it becomes a lifelong torture basically Mm -hmm. where not only does everything in society fight against you but everything in society hates you and so you can walk around free you cannot be killed for your beliefs that's fine but everybody's going to treat you like absolute shit for the rest of your life. <laughs> That's nice. Oh, It's man. like a lifelong torture and constantly having to interact with the thing you hate. Right. It's 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 real tough. I'm not saying it's as bad as those other countries. I'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: it's a different type of hell. I love, too, that whenever the people that are in the little shanty town, like they're watching the TV and that hacked message is coming over the airwaves telling them, the truth about everything that's going on is interrupting their broadcast that they're just sitting out there watching. Somehow they have electricity in the shanty town. I don't know. But they're sitting out there watching that thing. This guy comes through with this message about everything that's going on. And their only reaction is like, this is giving me a headache.
1: Yeah. And like, the one they the just want to go back trying, to relaxing. Yeah, he wanted to see the thing that they were watching before, which was just like a commercial or something. Right. Yeah. So they, the, right before that, they have the setup of we got Frank and John, right? John is his name is Nada. Nada. It well, never yeah. says it. I think it's John Nada.
0: Oh, well, nobody ever says his name in the whole movie. Yeah. yeah,
1: Uh But Frank and Nada are talking and basically setting out the who they are. And Nada is the if you work, you get where you're going like yeah, i he,
0: believe in america he says like, yeah he very much seems to have that yeah. american ideal of i can work and climb the ladder and yeah hard if, work will get me anywhere if i follow the rules i'll i'll get to the top he's got the idealized yeah. version of the american dream and frank who's uh played keith by david. keith david who's awesome.
1: amazing frank has a different view on life of basically keep much your head done, jaded. don't make trouble. The, everything is set up against you and you will never get anywhere. Yeah. But keep your head down and don't make trouble. Well, he's got those lines about how like,
0: you know, the American dream isn't that the American dream is every man for himself and I'll step right. on your neck to get whatever I want. And that is the American dream. I yes. mean, that, yeah. that's capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. It is all just like cut the throat of whoever. We were get founded ahead of by them. merchants who had
1: earned enough money to escape the slavery of the nobility. But, just recreate it
0: here in this country. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah well, the problem was is that they weren't on top. Yeah, yeah. So he very much seems to understand that the real way to climb the ladder in America is to step on the heads of whoever's below you. Right. It seems and, to be his attitude. He seems very disenfranchised. Yes.
1: And so those are our two perspectives. And then this comes comes in and basically establishes a, a truth in, in between them. And I wrote wrote down a lot of this and don't want to spend the entire time reading it. But basically, uh, he says, the poor and the underclass are growing. Racial justice and human rights are non-existent. I don't know if this sounds familiar. (laughs) They have created a repressive society and we are their unwitting accomplices. Their intention to rule rests with the annihilation of consciousness. We have been lulled into a trance. They have made us indifferent to ourselves, to others. We are focused only on our own gain. So I mean,
0: he's, that's pretty scathing.
1: Yes. And he's saying a lot of what Frank was saying. And he's exposing uh, Nada's beliefs to be sort of not correct. And Nada kind of take. like, he seems to be most affected by it, which is what leads to him being suspicious of everything after that. Like, he starts being suspicious of everything around him, uh, beginning with, you know, the homeless camp and the people that run it. But then, you know, moving on to the whole world Uh, and it's like he's this he's this like Joe America type guy who has been exposed finally to the idea that
0: maybe America isn't so great and needs to be improved. Do you think that it is at all a coincidence that they cast the guy who believes in the American dream as a white guy and the guy who seems a little more disenfranchised as a black guy?
1: No, that's absolutely intentional and genius. Yeah, of course. Like, even if those aliens weren't there, Keith David's character, Frank, would be disenfranchised. Yeah. The aliens aren't his problem. The white people are his problem as much as the aliens. (laughs) Yeah. Like he comes from a long line of people who are being held down and oppressed. And so this guy who's a white guy who, uh, you know, we learn was uh, raised by an abusive father and like has been homeless because of like lack of jobs and stuff. He's got it rough right now, but he's still able to believe in the American dream because as a white person, he might get there. Sure. There's a there's a higher Just a momentary hiccup. Yeah, there's a higher likelihood. Yeah, like uh that quote from what's his name? The guy who wrote Grapes of Wrath, John Steinbeck. John Steinbeck. The yeah, every poor American thinks of themselves as a uh, temporarily embarrassed millionaire. Yeah, yeah. I'll come back around. This this is why like people in the South who are never ever ever going to make a million dollars in a year vote for people who are going to give tax cuts to people who make over a million dollars a year because they think, well, next year I might. Well, you know, you're not going to. That's not going to happen. They don't understand they're disenfranchised is what's going on. Like, this is what happens to uh, Nada is he begins to understand, wait, I also don't have a chance in this. Like, there are these creatures ahead of
0: me that are never going to let me become rich unless I become part of their plot. Yeah, and that's something that I like about this, too, is that you you have all these different attitudes towards this invasion that it seems like some people are very aware is going on. You have guys like Nada, who, again, are the the believers in the American dream and optimistic. You have guys like Frank, who just feel very torn up by the system, uh, you know, shredded by the cogs in the wheels. Yeah. But then you also have the people... Like, uh, uh, shit, the chick, Holly. Oh, Holly. Yeah. Who she's already like,
1: she's upper management at a TV studio. She's got a good life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Her and uh, Buck Flowers, that comes in the movie later, Uh who are the people that know the system is rigged, know it's oppressing people. And want to maintain it because it gives them what they want. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Because there's a chance that they could hop on board. Because if they destroy it, they might never be back on top. Yeah. Well, they're they're like the guy in the Matrix that eats the steak, where he's like, I know this is fake, but I want to be taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. So there's the people that are the hangers on because they might be given a higher rung on the ladder, mm-hmm. which is again, also another, very much another type of American.
1: Yes, it is. It's our middle class, but they're starting to lose out on those opportunities as the, the, the rich just keep grabbing all the power yeah. completely and totally. And then for some reason, they keep leaving. We, yeah. We know. get, get all these people foaming at the mouth, mad at Alexandria, Cassio Cortez. <laughs> How dare that person of, Modest means become a politician, raising themselves up by their bootstraps. That's not what this America is about. Yeah. This America is about oppression and the rich getting richer.
0: <laughs> they don't even
1: hear themselves as they're
0: saying it, but no that's doubt. what they're saying. That's pretty much it. Yeah. I love uh, Keith David and Roddy Piper's chemistry on screen together. Mm-hmm. I think they're, they're great. They're really good. Yeah. Uh, Nada is pretty subdued. Frank is pretty over the top and intense. Yeah. They work really well on screen mm-hmm. together. Uh, Holly. Who's Holly played by? Oh, man. Meg Foster. Meg's,
1: yeah, Foster, I think.
0: Who has the bluest eyes yeah, I, of any creature that's ever lived. I wanted to
1: talk about that because, yes, yeah, Meg Foster, she actually had trouble because... Uh, in 1979, she was named by Mademoiselle as Ugh. Eyes of 1979. Ooh. Uh, but on a lot of productions, she would have to wear contact lenses because her eyes were too distracting. Do you think she has vision problems? No. No, her eyes are fine. Man, a lot. They're so light. They're, but, and they're electric, just like ice pop. blue. Yeah. yeah.
0: She seems like she stoned the whole movie. She does. She does come off as, as real low key. She's not that great. Mm-hmm in here yeah although i love when she she throws nada <laughs> out of that window she <laughs> smashes him on the head with a bottle and he what falls out that yes, window she does
1: like a little like 360 Key-ah.
0: smash yeah and that overhead shot is like very psycho ass uh-huh. or something dude roddy flies out that window and, and just, just rolling down, down, down the hollywood down hills yeah <laughs> it's so good uh-huh. man it's so fantastic but yeah pretty small cast in this there's a couple other people here and there yeah the, some the people you probably guy,
1: recognize and, maybe but it's mostly just that that core center 3 that we're really worried about uh, you know we have the resistance fighters and the one guy who we meet early on in the the camp who happens to be one of the leaders yeah, of the resistance
0: gunther or something like yeah. that i can't remember what his name was
1: but yeah everybody else and all the aliens
0: look the exact same except with you know male or female voices <laughs> yeah dude I, I think the way that the the aliens i call them goons in my notes i didn't yeah. know what to call them exactly i think that's a good choice goons. Like goons. yeah i love the way that they look yeah. i love that which i've seen some people critique it's like it's just like a rubber mask and the mouth doesn't move and stuff like that it's yeah. like that's fine by me yeah the, Cause they're looks, phony yeah they look inhuman i think the way that they look is really cool probably if those black and white scenes would have been in color it probably would have looked really bad yeah. Uh, well, and I guess towards the end of the movie, you see them. You in do color. see them in color, and they're like blue and red, and yeah. it doesn't look it doesn't as good. look as cool. Yeah. But when they're in black and white, they're awesome. Uh-huh. Now, when they're in that black and white world, uh, we also get some crazy stuff. There's like police drone kind of things flying around, keeping yeah, tabs on everybody. They got a drone,
1: yeah. Like again, did Carpenter look into the future?
0: Yeah. Was he just like, you yeah, know, there're gonna be drones that'll uh-huh. catch criminals? Well, and they say stuff on there too about how even when the TV is off, it's still receiving and um, emitting information or something like that. That sounds that's a like, lot like an echo to me. That sounds like, yeah, our phones, our yeah. Alexas, our mm-hmm. everything that's constantly listening, even yeah. when it's off, you know, even when we're not using it, it's still buying and selling stuff to us, you know? Yeah. It's crazy that,
1: I mean, on one hand, if you made a, they live now, I don't know where it would go. But if you made They Live to reflect how now is in in the modern time, I wonder if you could even, like, could you get away with saying the stuff that this movie says? There should be more movies critiquing these things because these are things people talk about on a regular... Case. Like, we get things like The Big Short and Wolf of Wall Street and all those others that sort of set up the political climate, but also add a bit of like fun and levity to it where it's like you could see why they're enjoying this yeah. snorting cocaine off a hooker or whatever I, and this doesn't do that this no. doesn't give this is like no fuck that Fuck the positive there's no positive yeah it's black and white
0: you're, you're li- livestock for them yeah you're so. livestock for them yeah now you said that net uh was it network network and this have a lot in common i've never there's, seen network did it come out before after this
1: network's 1976
0: oh wow yeah. so much uh, before. network is one of my favorite
1: movies you have to watch it oh. everybody still needs to see this movie and understand that fox news was predicted in 1976 Jeez. they knew about it they knew these things were going to happen we all act like when we look at the past we act like people weren't seeing this shit but people were seeing this shit George Mm. Orwell's 1984 like people were seeing all the fucking shit that was coming and warning us about it the whole time and people were like, it's fun.
0: It's fun right now. It's like, the 80s. Everybody has money. Yeah, everybody's having fun and cocaine. Wow. I need to watch Network. That sounds... no. Uh, oh, sounds yeah. Anyway, Network, though, what uh, I
1: would say is that specifically the speech that the uh, bum who's in a to- tuxedo at the end... I don't yeah. know what his name is. It's Buck Flowers. <laughs> Buck Flowers. Yeah. There you go, yeah. He he gives that speech about there b- no longer being nations, about they own yeah. everything. That, that's, that's crazy. That comes directly from... Uh, a speech and network. It seems to come directly from a speech and network near the end. I'm sure, you know, at least the, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Okay. That's from network. Yeah. I've heard that that many times. Yeah. Oh man. That was the most ironic thing in the goddamn world. If you see network, you have to remember that Glenn Beck in the late two thousands would use the, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. To his advantage, but network is warning about him. Like Jeez. network, the movie was warning Glenn Beck might exist, and Glenn Beck thought, "Oh, this is about me.
0: This is about me in a good way." Uh, yeah, yikes, man! I just I gotta have me a pull after talking all this serious business, Steve. <laughs> we got one more cat grass left over here from Shorts Brew. I'm happy about this from our man. Roger Dean Miller, the notorious RDM, he gifted us these as a super fresh drink. You're supposed to be drank real fresh and stuff. This one's probably going on, what, two months old now? Yeah.
1: <laughs> but we did drink one fresh. <laughs> yeah,
0: we drank a couple of them. Yeah. And this is just an enjoyable, delicious IPA, which we've had five of in the past, I guess. Mm-hmm. Pretty damn good stuff. Now, this movie, even though it deals with a lot of these issues and stuff, which are very. Very huge, very serious. Yeah. There is still levity in this movie. Oh yeah, I mean, tons,
1: tons of like silly lines and
0: ridiculous things to happen. You look like your head fell in the cheese dip back in 1957. Yeah. You? Okay. This one? Ugly <laughs> what does he say? Ugly as fuck.
1: Uh fucking fu- ugly. Fucking ugly like that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And, of course, yeah, you know, the, the signature, I came here to kick ass at chew bubble gum, and I'm and all I'm out, all out bubble of bubble gum. I knew that line from Duke Nukem when I was a kid. Yeah. Guy. I didn't know that it came from this. Yep. This, this movie,
1: there's so many, like, they're cheesy one-liners, and there's so many elements to this movie that I would get why somebody would look at this movie and think, oh, it's just like a campy, cheesy sort of movie. But I think that John Carpenter wrapped his very clear anti-corporate anti-greed message in this sugary coating that he knew that a lot of americans could swallow rowdy Roddy piper being one part of that yeah he's a big wwf star we want to see him in a movie you throw in the cheesy quips and lines and stuff they're digging it. They're loving it. You throw in an eight minute long wrestling match. Great. Which, you know, now what? let's get down to the destruction of corporate America.
0: <laughs> well, not now that you put it that way, too. It is kind of cool to think that, OK, considering what we said earlier about how a lot of wrestling fans, especially in this time period, were just blue collar American workers here in yeah. the south and the east side of the country and stuff. He got their asses in to watch this movie because they put. Roddy Roddy Piper in it yeah and then he's like okay now listen this movie's about you guys yeah you need to get this message because it's gonna get to you soon enough yeah exactly yeah Yeah, you as the lower class people are the ones that need to see this the most so I'm gonna put somebody in this movie that gets you to come see it we're
1: sending this message from the year one (laughs) nine 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 that's from
0: Prince of Darkness (laughs) that's so cool now you mentioned the fight the fight, okay, so yeah, the, the fight. fight. Yeah, I mean, it's the fight,
1: like, it's it's everybody who knows anything about The Thing knows about an obscenely long wrestling match in the middle. They Live. Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> the Thing. The Thing, sorry. <laughs> There's an exceedingly wrong uh, wrestling match in the middle of, of They Live between Keith David and Rowdy Rody Piper out on the streets. Just a backyard brawl. The best. It's great. It's the best. It it's is like very, five and a half mm-hmm. minutes long. And it's very obviously choreographed by uh, a professional wrestler. Yeah. Him it, and Keith
0: David really just came worked up with this all. thing yeah. out and rehearsed it for like three weeks or something.
1: And it is a, it's a, a segment of a movie that has inspired some comedy with South Park yep. when they did the cripple, cripple fight. fight. They basically just they did the Re- whole thing recreated it yeah also inspired the last match in Darren Aronofsky is the wrestler
0: oh no shit yeah really
1: he was super he was super inspired by that
0: and also invited Roddy Piper to the premiere oh shit yeah that's pretty awesome yeah and dude that fight scene you know okay Is it ridiculous? Yes. Oh, yeah. It's literally five and a half minutes long of these two guys beating the shit out of each other. And there's all those over-the-top groin shots and stuff Uh like this. But at the same time, if you think about it, it's not an unrealistic fight scene. There are No. no... roundhouse kicks or flying karate chops. It's
1: actually the more realistic fight scene. Like, when people see it, they're thinking, like, oh, this is silly and campy, but then they watch, like, Kickboxer, and they're like, yeah, you just, like, beat up 15 dudes. Yeah. No, you have a long, slog fight between two guys that are basically the same size. They're going to end up beating the
0: shit out of each other, and it's going to take a long time. Because that's the thing is, like, you know, in real-life fights... Yeah. It isn't five minutes, again, of of roundhouse kicks and fucking all this stuff. Like, it's a couple of guys beating the shit out of each other, being out of breath, Uh getting up starting to clock each other again, falling down, getting up, going at it some more. Uh If you see most real fights, real fights. Yeah. They go kind of like
1: this. If it's a fight where nobody's going to get involved, everybody's just going to let it happen. That's kind of how it always goes. There's two guys, unless one guy just gets lucky and knocks the other one. Yeah, out. Yeah, it does a knock out or something. And it usually is luck in those cases. We're not talking trained fighters, and these guys aren't trained fighters as far
0: as we know. They just work construction. Yeah, like
1: they're just big dudes.
0: Yeah. So yeah, this is how it would go. And there's there's a few wrestling moves. There's like a there's a there's a suplex or two thrown yeah, in there. a sidewalk body slam, slam in there for sure. There. Yeah. How appropriate a sidewalk mm-hmm. slam on mm-hmm. the asphalt that mm-hmm. works. I love that scene too, where like he throws that two by four. Uh-huh. at the back glass of that car and, like, yeah. shatters the whole back windshield. And he's like, oh, sorry. Yeah, he kind of, like, <laughs> seems to scare himself, yeah. like, oh, shit. I didn't actually want to hurt you. Yeah. Keith David goes to break that bottle, and it breaks. Yeah. And Piper just, like, laughs at him. Uh-huh. It's so genuine and, like, yeah. realistic. It's so yeah. fun, it's, man. It's
1: very good. And what I'll say <laughs> yeah. is it's important that it lasts as long as it does because what it's really about is... Keith David has seen this guy that he trusts now become a murderer. Yeah, he's on the And loose. now he's seen him and sees that he's still the same guy he knows and realizes something must be up. Because I trust this guy and he doesn't seem to have gone crazy. Mm-hmm. But then he's telling me I got to put these glasses on. Whatever he's seen through these glasses could make me him. Oh wow! And I need to keep my head down and
0: not cause problems. Oh, that is kind of in line with yeah. his character, right? Yeah. So, I thought about that. That's pretty. That's pretty awesome because you watch it and you're like, "Why don't you just put the glasses on?" It's because yeah. he's scared of what he might see. Yeah, because he does trust this guy, and yeah. so he well, knows if he, he comes back to give him like a week's
1: yes. pay and stuff like this. Oh, and also when he throws that money and it lands in the box, was that intentional or was that just like what? Like I didn't they got notice. it on the fr- yeah. Watch it again. He throws the money and it just goes. Poof, right in the box nothing but net i wonder if they meant to do that and had to do Uh it a few times or if he just did it and they were like that's the take because it went in the box but yeah so what's happening is yeah he's trying to and and, uh if you watch the perverts guide to ideology watch just the first seven minutes with Slavoj zizek talking about they live uh he gets into you know what ideology is and and what this fight is really about but what I would say it's really about is uh, wanting to maintain your comfort knowing because he knows he tells us early on he knows what this world is about and how shitty it is he doesn't want to know more yeah. he just wants to survive it yeah. He wants to
0: get out of it and enjoy what little time he has. Life's hard enough as it is. Yeah. Much less of that knowing the truth about it. Exactly. What's going on. Wow. So
1: the fight is I want to maintain my illusions, and the
0: other guy being like, no, I think we can take these guys down. I just noticed this beer is totally not as good when it's not fresh. Isn't it? No. See. Like the sip I just had, like. The aftertaste is uh, kind of... Yeah, it's a little skunk. It, It's kind of sweaty tasting. Yeah. I mean, I, I think
1: when we had it last time, it, it had mellowed out a little bit. It was a little bit sweeter, but... Yeah, I, that was yeah, on a sweet spot.
0: After a little bit, it's... Yeah, it's just kind of tangy and sweaty. Yeah. It's okay, but... It's fine. Definitely not as good as it used to be. One thing that I will say about this movie... I mean, obviously, obviously, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I think that you guys could probably gather that from what we've been sitting here talking oh, about. Yeah. I definitely enjoyed it, but... I will say the pacing wasn't as great as I remembered. Hmm. It's kind of an unevenly paced movie. That's true,
1: yeah. It's slow in the beginning and then kind of speeds up in the middle and then slows down
0: again. Well, the thing is is it's urgent when it needs to be. Like yeah. sometimes the cops are like fucking chasing after him and mm-hmm. then like he'll just, you know, go around a corner and it's like, "Ah, no, I can just walk and look around at stuff."
1: Yeah. He never even changes clothes and he's just walking around in the city where yeah. I assume the cops are looking for him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's like sometimes there's a sense of uh, of urgency and pursuit and stuff. And other times it's just like, eh, it doesn't really need to be that way right now. So yeah. it won't be. Yeah. And there's a lot of just kind of like rowdy, like sort of just walking around and putting uh-huh. his hands in his pockets. and.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just being that guy. Looking at
0: stuff. What yeah.
1: Looking at things.
0: The pacing, I think, is a little bit weird. Mm-hmm you know so i would i would give that as a little bit of a little bit of a knock against this movie but the thing about it is is that this is one of those flicks that i think what you need to keep in mind when you watch it is that this movie isn't about the story it's about the message
1: yeah yeah the story i mean th- this comes from a short story Yeah,
0: I didn't know it was a short story before.
1: Yeah, it it was a short story, and uh, then that short story was adapted into a comic, and both were used as inspiration, but it's 8 o'clock in the morning by Ray Nelson, and then it was adapted as a story in Alien Encounters comic anthology in April of 1986. And John Carpenter took from both of those sources and also added, you know, basically the message that he he had gotten back into watching TV, and he realized, let's see, he says here, I quickly realized that everything we see is designed to sell us something it's all about wanting us to buy something the only thing they want to do is take our money wow so like he he put that anti capitalist anti uh anti-billionaire sort of message in there with this story and i think yeah sometimes it's uneven because like maybe he he should have went a different direction from time to time with the story like Maybe instead of having him kill two cops and then just walking around freely in L.A., have him kill two, like, secret agents on mm-hmm. the alien side. Like, because you kill two cops, everybody's going to know about it. Oh, yeah. And everybody's going to see your face. Though they could have easily explained that away also by just having, like, a central command where the aliens are talking the one's like, we don't want to cause a scene. Like, don't arrest him in public because he could start spouting off what he knows. It might affect people. But again, they don't do that. So yeah, it's uneven. And it's just like, ooh,
0: where's this going? I love the way the aliens communicate and keep up with each other's on Rolexes, by the way. Like, that's their communication device is their expensive-ass watch.
1: Yeah, the communicator watch was like a big... Idea for like the 70s and 80s. Everybody yeah. wanted, it. and that's why, you know, Apple came up with their, their watch. I think it was always just this dream of techies <laughs> a watch I can talk to. But people were like, got one better phone. Yeah, phone. yeah, it's got a watch on it. I don't even wear a watch. Who wears a watch? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah,
0: I don't. So the thing about it is, though, is if you're watching this for like the story value of the, uh-huh. the point A to point B to point C, the three act kind of thing. It it gets kind of it gets kind of muddled, especially yeah. towards the end of the movie. And there's there's other stuff that doesn't really make sense, like how they can just teleport in and walk into this banquet hall where there's like the whole, you know, the super elite. Yeah, and they're, just wearing, banquet, the regular and they're just wearing regular clothes, and construction clothes. that's yeah. an and I, and it's luckily
1: like, they run into their other
0: hobo friend who shows them all around. Yeah, yeah, and then also that's in the same. Area as the TV studio that they need to be in. Yeah, and he of course can get them in because he's been one of them for what two days? I guess so. (laughs) Yeah, even though he's just some bum, they instantly handed him the keys to the to the whole kingdom. So some of that stuff gets a little like, wait, what now? Yeah, you know, where you're like, they teleported, they're underground. Now they're at this banquet thing. Now they're at the TV studio. It becomes like very fever dream ish, where Mm. it's like they're just changing locations like crazy towards the end of the movie, but it would have been boring if they're like, we need to get to the TV studio runs across town. (laughs) Like that would have, that would have gotten kind of boring, but it does get a little jumbled. I get
1: that people put together the thing Prince of darkness and in the mouth of madness as the apocalypse trilogy. But I really wonder why they skip over this because John Carpenter took H.P. Lovecraft references. And he really, he said that this is Lovecraftian at its essence that like, These creatures have always been here and are just returning. Like, this seems to me to go right in line with those movies and would serve as a good bridge between Prince of Darkness and In the Mouth of Madness. But, you know, they they just don't get put together. I, I, I wonder why. I mean, because the Apocalypse Trilogy was just something that John Carpenter offhandedly kind of suggested and people went with. Yeah. Like, I wonder if you reassess it would you throw that this in there with them? Like, it seems to have the same sort of idea that, like, humanity is being driven by this unknown force that is not not evil, it's just indifferent to us. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I'll tell you the other thing that this has in common with HP Lovecraft. What's that? Is that it's awesome, and <laughs> also seems to attract anti-Semites. Well, yeah, well... <laughs>
1: Well, the reason H.P. Lovecraft attracted it is because he was anti-Semitic himself. But this, yeah, white supremacist neo-Nazis have tried to take this and say that it's about the the Jewish, Jewish people running the media. Yeah. And John Carpenter quickly shut that down and said very clearly, it's about yuppies and unrestrained capitalism. But
0: this is one of those ones that, like you said, neo-Nazis yeah, and stuff, they you just could, take up and you could run
1: could You could easily see how a mass shooter could look at this and be like, that's what other mass shooters were doing. Ugh. I didn't
0: realize it. They were shooting the, the bad, the yeah. alien people. And again, that that's where it's like maybe the violence in this movie made it a little bit more dangerous yeah. than it necessarily needed to be. Because, right. I mean, Rowdy Roddy Piper just gets the glasses and sees these people and yeah. immediately starts murdering them. Yeah. Just mowing them down. He
1: doesn't even know if those glasses... Like, what if they're just a novelty effect? Yeah, exactly. Glasses that sometimes make other people look wacky. Yeah. And there is Make a it high, impossible to read signs. Oh, dude.
0: And there's a high kill count in this movie, yeah, too. Yeah, kills a lot of people in public, in mass shooting scenarios. Yeah, in everyday locations and yeah. places like, you know, a fucking bank mm-hmm. and stuff like that.
1: that. I mean, that is also, though, like, I love an 80s L.A. action movie. And that's eighties LA action movies. I mean, that's that's lethal weapon and, yeah, the the and just and fucking like
0: shoot everybody, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I think this movie also owes a lot to other, let's say sci-fi uh, movies from the fifties and stuff that were yeah. really just about communists being among us, like yes. body snatchers. This takes like it
1: the other route and says, like, no no no, they use communist and they use terrorist as words to suppress uh like the truth. And the people who are in charge, the people who are the problem, the real invasion of the body snatchers, they're the uber-capitalists. They're the ones who control everything. Because, again, always weird when you're worried about a minority of people taking over. Why don't you look at the majority of people who currently control things and say, do I like the way this is?
0: (laughs) I mean, even just the word minority means... Not the most, people. yeah. Not the most. It's <laughs> unlikely they're going to take over. Why are you so worried?
1: <laughs> like seriously, like the what is it? Hispanics, I believe, are at about thirteen percent, yeah, of the population at this point, making them, I believe, the largest minority in in the country. They're going to take over thirteen percent. Thirteen percent. You kidding me? Thirteen percent. Like, what do you mean they're going to take over? And what? What do you again? What do you mean they're going to take over? Because they are predominantly Catholic. They predominantly agree with you on most of the issues. They vote against you because you vote to hurt them. Yeah. <laughs> All you have to do... I hate to give this to the Republican Party in case they've never thought of it. All you have to do is go, you hate abortions? We hate abortions. Great. Let's help out your community and we'll get your votes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's not wrong. Idiots. I, uh, I, I came up with this thing the other day where I was thinking about... You remember how during the 80s we had this whole... Mass hysteria and, and uh, panic, and all that stuff about Satanism. Satanism. The yeah. satanic panic. As yeah, it was okay. Called. I think here in the 2010s, we got ourselves the Hispanic panic. The
1: Hispanic <laughs> panic. That's, yeah, I mean, that's the proper way to put a humanitarian crisis involving concentration camps. Uh-huh. That is what it is. The Hispanic panic. Hispanic panic. Because it, it, I mean, like people refuse to look at the roots of why people are seeking asylum. They refuse to look at the fact that seeking asylum isn't illegal. They refuse to look at the fact that parents and children are being separated, kept in cages, kept in the cold, not being fed, not getting
0: showers. They refuse to look at all that because Hispanic panic. you are brown. At, I'm listen, scared. You should at least be self-centered enough to be like, they're making a whole generation of anti-american potential terrorists yeah
1: they're creating terrorists at a southern border at least be selfish would, enough to be like
0: they might be creating people that are going to harm our country in a very bad way yeah in the future. B- at the, least be they, selfish enough and just go with that yeah at least
1: try to at least protect your your own interests using your own stupid logic exactly yeah put yeah. your own stupid logic to work but that requires thinking, and they
0: don't put that to work. Hispanic panic. Hispanic Trademark panic. dead and lovely. Trademark dead <laughs> and lovely with a sad face at yeah. the end. Aww. Yeah, Let's uh, talk about some of the other just kind of window dressing in this. What do you think about the soundtrack going on in this flick? It's Carpenter as hell. Yeah. He just starts out with boom, Boo, boom, 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 And you got some harmonica and stuff boom, going boom, boom, on boom, over boom, it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: it's and, good it fits the it's movie
1: great to me la i mean like he's he's so good at shooting cities i love like yeah, escape from new york like uh this uh, uh big trouble in little china he's just so
0: good at shooting the city He seems to know cities well and also notice when there shouldn't be soundtrack too where it's like uh-huh. during the fight scene mm-hmm. no soundtrack it's just ambient city noise and yeah. the sound of like fist slapping flesh and and bodies in concrete
1: just like in real life you can kind of hear the horns and the stuff in the background a little bit more than you can hear the fight Mm because that's how it's louder
0: a fight's not that loud dude the back of keith david's head is all like chewed up by the end of the Uh fight too where they've taken so many falls and again i know it's ridiculous but it's an awesome fight scene it's
1: great it doesn't matter that it's ridiculous i mean sometimes things can be both funny ridiculous and meaningful and still like matter. So like you can see something is ri- here's my perfect example. The last episode of the last season of Always Sunny with Max like interpretive dance. I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't. Huh. There's nothing funny about it. Okay. Always Sunny doesn't do that. No. They never do n- nothing funny about it. It's just serious. Amidst 13 seasons of ridiculousness, mm-hmm. just a serious moment it's maybe okay from time to time to have a ridiculous moment that is meaningful. Just like a serious moment can be specifically kind of ridiculous because it's out of context. Like it doesn't fit within the scheme we've seen up to this point. We haven't seen a weird ass wrestling match up to this point. We've seen a lot of stuff about real life, terrible situations and everything after is about, you know, the end of this dystopia in the middle can we just have a ridiculous moment that also
0: means a lot yeah it's fun let's go with that yeah what do you think about the ending of this movie at the end here we get rowdy blown up the satellite that's transmitting the cloaking mechanism uh-huh. the aliens are using he shoots the bird at the camera so good he dies so good and then we we have some Say, shots of just says fuck it and yeah
1: <laughs> it's so I'll such a it.
0: perfect fuck it action movie ending totally yeah and then after the cloaking mechanism is disabled we get all these people like on the news uh-huh. and all that stuff realizing the that guy, people among them my
1: favorite is the guy who's sitting in the bar that is one of the aliens yeah just staring at the screen kind of <laughs> like oh fuck
0: oh shit yeah it's great uh-huh. and then like i said the guy that's like boning the chick at the end yeah they just threw boobs in at the end Yeah, just because i
1: guess yeah i i imagine that i imagine carpenter was like
0: oh eh, man I love like, that he even not? made fucking. It, it seemed like Siskel and Ebert.
1: Yeah, Siskel to be and Ebert part
0: of this. They were part of it. Yeah, talking about all these vulgar directors Nita. John Carpenter and George Romero. Yeah, yeah. Which I love that he just put George in there too. Yeah, of course. It's a. Uh, it's kind of silly. The ending of this is kind of silly, but mm-hmm. I think that's okay. That's fine with me. Yeah, I'm I fine it. with it, man. I'm fine with it. I, I, because I think it like <laughs> it really hits the
1: high when Holly is basically saying, I. I, I prefer this world to having To struggle in a different world Was she in on it the whole time or I don't not? think so no yeah I don't think she was in on it the whole time I I thought about that Like the first couple times I watched it here Recently and then when I watched it right Before I came here it really Does seem like If she were in on it when they exploded that wall when she came in to the. Oh, I love that. That's well, so she's out of nowhere. The
0: closest one to the wall. <laughs> like, okay. All right. Yeah, they basically yeah. almost killed her. You're saying she would have known the raid was coming and, like, yeah. fucked off before. Right. You, hey, you might not be wrong. I hadn't thought about that. Mm. Yeah. Her, t- her kind of twist where she just sort of, like, shoots Keith David out of nowhere. Yeah. That's like, that's
1: the moment where weird. you make your last message that some of you are going to try to hang on to this because you are comfortable. And some
0: of you are going to say, fuck it. And say, let's blow this up. This is an awesome movie. It's great. This is an awesome movie. It's one that I've wanted to do since I saw it. So whenever mm-hmm. this got picked as part of the uh, part of the Patreon... Yeah, it was like John Latour's right? suggestion. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, John, dude, sick. Yeah. Way think, to not let us down. I, I believe do it got stuff. the
1: most votes when we did the vote, too. So yeah. people wanted us to talk about this. Nice, man. Which means if anybody out there responds to this by saying they got too political our core wants to hear this (laughs) that's I'm sorry if you thought that was too political that's what people want to hear
0: a 100% refund on what you spent to listen to this podcast Mm -hmm. so there you go (laughs) what do you think about this flick what's your final thoughts and ratings on this sumbitch Steve it's
1: high up there for me uh, because of the message and I really do like Um, Just the way it's shot, the way it's acted, I like the silliness to it, along with the very serious message. I think it is a sugarcoating of a message, trying to sell it to rural America. The people that need to hear it. Yeah, and let them know, like, you you gotta vote for your interests. And they're like, I don't wanna. You can't tell me what to do.
0: Stars and bars. That rich feller might give me some of his money. He won't i i I just want to
1: sum up just to sum up (laughs) real quick the mentality of the person who maybe thinks the government should stay out of their business i saw today at the doctor a person with a license plate that had the don't tread on me flag Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. now i want you to think about this that's that's the flag of the libertarian right yes so, a libertarian walked into a government office and paid them more money <laughs> than
0: usual than usual <laughs> for a tag to represent that they want to get I want to show the world. I don't approve of this, yeah, by paying you more money, yeah, so oh man, it really, all falls apart so he fast. was
1: really fighting an uphill battle. And the fact that he threw in the, the wacky, the silliness the, that he picked Roddy Piper, who he could have picked Hulk Hogan. Maybe he could have picked another bigger wrestler who wouldn't have been as good of an actor, but picking Roddy Piper, knowing he would reach the right audience. Hopefully that like move. like the thing is like people think about the South and they think of it as a monolith, just like, you know, racists think of, a. uh, uh black people as a monolith or you know whatever like we you look at the south and you think dumb people mm-hmm. well we're from
0: the south yeah, I, yeah. i'd we're, like to we're, think we're settlers, not we're dumb not just talking shit or anything yeah, yeah. we're we're really from here i oh, know plenty of extremely yeah. intelligent people from uh trey crowder uh, drew morgan
1: uh, uh cory uh forrester mm-hmm. i can name a- any number of comedian brent terhune who's from missouri like which is, was the south basically uh any number of smart Intelligent comedians who will come at you from a very liberal perspective who grew up in this area. This movie was for us. This movie was to sugarcoat it so our parents wouldn't care that we were being sold an anti-capitalist message. Mm. John Carpenter's from Kentucky. He understands who he's selling to. Uh, I haven't considered that. Yeah. It's fine if you watch this from another country or another part of this country. Just you you watched it and you just thought it was corny and cheesy or whatever. But I think that what it does with its message and its presentation was so important for some of us that it, it for me is is
0: a nine easily. Yeah. yeah. I can completely level with that. Cause again, like to me, if you're watching this movie in terms of, of story, if you're just watching this movie for a little literal storyline progression, Yeah, again, it gets kind of muddy, especially towards the end, but it's not really about that. This movie is just 100% about the message, Mm -hmm. you know? The fact that it had to have a storyline to convey the message is kind of an afterthought to anything, you know? I I, I think the whole movie was a stunt to get people to get in there Mm -hmm. to learn this message. Yeah. Like I said, hiring a wrestler to be the main character. Yeah. I think it's all just a stunt to get people in here to watch this movie and learn this message and Mm -hmm. hopefully start thinking for themselves a little bit you know uh it's it's a really fun watch it's got some like funny very quotable lines oh yeah you gotta put on these glasses start eating that trash can mama don't like no tattletale oh my god likes (laughs) a bitch and she's back in heat i ain't daddy's little boy no more <laughs>
1: i ain't daddy's little boy no more yeah don't
0: don't like him having this abusive past thing was all just kind of an afterthought like that it really, really it seemed like it yeah came back just kind of needless uh, character development mm-hmm. might have been just stretching for time i mean the movie's only an hour and a half yeah it's, it's a pretty, pretty sure. short flip yeah and you know?
1: it, it really like they
0: drag out the credits i think it was like six minutes of credits. so wow yeah. really yeah i can't say that it's perfect. Uh, but I think just for the message alone, and also just that, that imagery, man, the black and white stuff to it's me so good. is so iconic. That grocery store, uh uh-huh. to me, is, is I would phenomenally l- I would
1: love to have one of those magazines.
0: Oh, I know, right? they flip
1: through, just <laughs> fucking Oh, awesome. they're so
0: cool. And the thing is, is you're watching that going, an art department had to make all that yeah. stuff. Like, every can in that uh-huh. supermarket has a label on uh-huh. it. Uh-huh that was printed and there, every one of those magazines everything. like I wrote down about 20 things that I saw written down but I didn't write down
1: everything like oh, each this, one this of those magazines has different stuff those cans and labels like they probably have about 40 or so sayings but that's a fucking lot to come up with
0: yeah and then make all those labels the magazines and stuff Mm -hmm. and knowing of course that it wasn't cgi yeah none of they did that just Mm -hmm. to make this scene in this movie I, Mm i i love that stuff yeah i think i'm gonna i'm gonna rock this in a solid you know i think i'm gonna say an eight eight i'm gonna say an ocho ocho for this one really cool flick again when you watch it don't watch it for the story watch it for the message sure and you'll i think get a lot more out of it and enjoy it more than if you're watching it for a story it's also barely a horror movie i mean is it horror oh
1: yeah well um i would say (laughs) in 1988 this was a dystopian sci-fi movie yeah it seems more like
0: 2019 this is a horror movie yeah yeah (laughs) social horror movie awesome man well, I'll tell you what, this is a whole lot of fun to do this one, and uh, as you already said, next week, yeah. we are doing, spoilers, it's going to be a fucking 10 from both of us, I'm uh-huh. sure, <laughs> one of the greatest heavyweight champs of all time, also in that sci-fi horror range. Yeah. We're talking about a Ridley Scott alien. Yeah, Kalani suggested this
1: one. and Kalani, my man! It got the votes, so I'm glad we're doing it. Hell, I mean, like, yes. we just have this, like, backlog of all these awesome movies we can do, and it's yeah. hard to hard to choose. It's nice that you guys picked this one for us.
0: Yeah, it's nice that you guys are, are taking the wheel, just like yeah. Jesus does sometimes. <laughs> Jesus,
2: take the wheel!
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Did I ever tell you the story about whenever Andy and Andy Wood and I were on that flight with that woman? Uh-uh. Oh, my God, dude. I hope everybody hasn't tuned the podcast off. And this is amazing. <laughs> dude, the last time that Andy and I flew out to L.A., yeah. It, you know, we got on our flight, we've been flying all day and shit. It was butt crack of dawn or whatever. Mm-hmm. We get on this flight where, you know, of course we're not we're not first class. We're sitting in the middle right. of the plane and stuff. And you know there's like that dividing wall? Yes. Okay, so there's the dividing wall, there was the first row of seats, and then there was the row of seats that Andy and I were on, right? Uh huh. We sit down, we take our seats, and there's this chick in front of us that sits down and she has a crying, screaming ass baby, of right? Of course and like baby immediately just goes to whaling again she's sitting yeah, on the side that's facing that dividing wall. And hurts like hell. yeah and, and we're just on the runway at that point you know and mm. it's like oh my god this is how this is starting mm-hmm. and we were just looking forward to getting some sleep and stuff on the plane this baby screaming crying and andy and i kind of side eye each other like oh my god it's gonna be this the whole <laughs> way up and then the mother of this baby who she was like 20 something she starts trying to, to calm the baby down. She goes, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> take just, it from me. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're like, oh, my God. This is got to be the worst flight ever. So as the flight gets closer to taking off, mm-hmm. a flight attendant is coming through. Yeah. And she's kind of asking the people around us. She's like, do we have anybody that's not part of a group? Are you guys flying together? Are you flying together? Do we have any uh-huh. solo solo riders, basically? just right. to what they do for the roller coasters. And, you know, of course, Andy Right and now we're we're riding together. And we finally come to find out the reason why is because apparently they won't let people that are flying with an infant sit on the row of seats that's in front of that dividing wall. Right. Because there's like an airbag device and shit like this uh-huh. in case of, you know, a crash or anything like that. And so they find somebody who's a single rider. They go up here to this mom with this screaming ass baby, Right. And they're like, ma'am, before we depart, we've got to ask you to move to another seat. We've already found somebody who's willing to switch with you. It's no problem. We've already got this taken care of, but we need you to move to this aisle. Mm-hmm. But I paid extra so I could have extra leg room because I'm here at the front. Mm-hmm. The, the stewardess is like explaining, well, but it's a safety reason, ma'am, because if you're sitting in that seat against the dividing wall, there's an airbag device. Right. Uh, and that could harm the child and stuff like that. If in the event of a, of a crash or unexpected landing or whatever, did she, did she make
1: the point I would make, which is in the event of a crash, I don't think the baby's going
0: to matter. <laughs> the the baby mama goes, I mean, if we're crashing anyway, then <laughs> <laughs> I'm with her. I'm with her. What's going? Because there's no, there's no way to to buckle the baby in. So no. if you
1: crash, that baby's going flying no matter where you are.
0: Dude, t- <laughs> she wasn't wrong. No, she wasn't wrong. No, I'll give her that. But they do have to cover their own ass for liability. It sure. was hysterical to hear. I mean, if we're crashing, then.
1: I'm with her. Uh, I like seriously. <laughs> right, you're correct, man. At that point, Jesus take the wheel. Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> that, like if Jesus wants to catch her and stop this baby,
0: fine. Jesus catch the baby is what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> Jesus catch the
2: baby. Take it from head. <laughs>
0: It was a magical moment. I'll tell you that. <laughs> this magical magic moment. moment. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in <laughs> to this week's episode of Drab and Lagly. You guys, be sure to go on iTunes, rate mm-hmm. and review. We've got a couple of reviews trickling up on there, but yeah. the more the merrier. We need more. more. I want more. I'm a capitalist. I Feed want more. Me. Give us more reviews. Seriously. Yeah. If you want to do something to help the show out, that's a pretty damn good start. Another great thing you could do check out that Patreon page. Patreon.com. Pat patreon.com. Pat slash com. Dead and Lovely. Give us. Yeah. We've more had
1: money. Uh, we've had some more contributions recently. We'll have some shout outs next week. But patreon.com slash Dead and Lovely. We've got three tiers there. If you join in the $5 tier, you can suggest a movie. We're going to have a drawing here uh, at the beginning of August. Yeah to decide what our movie in the second week of August will be. So,
0: just get at us. Give us some of that money. Choose what we watch. If you donate five bucks, you can kick Jesus out that wheel. Get him in the passenger seat and say, I'm manning this vehicle, sir. <laughs> Jesus, take the engine. <laughs> Drive me where I'm going. <laughs> exactly I'm right. I'm just going to take a now. Let's y'all take the wheel. So, be sure to check out that Patreon page. Where can they follow us on social Medina? Uh, at pod on oh, yeah. Instagram and Twitter. Dead and Lovely
1: Horror Movie Podcast group on Facebook. We got a Discord. If you want to figure it out, uh, you can either email us about it or you can check the Facebook archive yeah, where
0: I yeah, posted yeah. the Discord. You can do it. We believe in you. You guys be sure to tune in next week for our Basic, just gushing wank fest about Ridley Scott's alien. They'll be more love than it. just gushing and wanking. They'll also be
1: talking about what a genius <laughs> that yeah, everybody involved in it
0: was. Oh my God. I,
1: I love alien. Oh, and also so talking much. about H.R. Giger. Oh, that'll yeah. be fun.
0: He's the Gigerist. The Gigerist. Yeah. Of all the people I know, he's the Gigerist. <laughs> no doubt. Well, you guys have been fantastic. We have been Uncle Ben. Hollywood Steve. And we've been Dead and Lovely. We'll catch you all next week. Bye-bye now. I
1: am out of here. Oh, God two tickets to paradise won't you do some stuff with me tonight i had that song in my head the entire time that i was driving to my doctor look you and then like i saw the nurse and then i saw a student because where my doctor is is ut hospital it's also a research school so a lot of times you'll see students and then you see the actual doctor okay yeah um And that two tickets to paradise, just that part had been in my head. And then like the student guy walked out and then I'd been in there for like 20 minutes waiting. And then I just started going, waiting so long. (laughs) And then I was like, what is that from? Why is that in my head?
0: All right. Two tickets to paradise. Dude, there was some point years and years ago where Eddie Money licensed that song out to some, like, it was like a an airline or a travel agency travel or something. Agency. Have yeah, you seen the commercial I, yeah. for
1: that? I got two, two tickets to, to paradise.
0: paradise. Like, he I was sounds, like, what happened to him? <laughs> he sounds like he had like 10 strokes. Must have.
1: Oh, it's but why would so they insist on having him in the commercial? <laughs>
0: no, just use the actual song uh, yeah. and call it
1: a day. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> Eddie Money. I got
2: to take us to paradise. paradise. <laughs>